With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. I'm the Sixth Doctor, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and joining me today is Mr. Dave A. C. Hello, Dave. Hi, Ian. I'm still hanging in here. Not being replaced yet. Nope, nope, nope. Although it's some nice auditions last... Oh, anyway. So, before we get going with the show, I had an exciting weekend. Well, an exciting Friday, anyway. And if you would carefully unmute Mr. Mrs. D.M. Walling from the chat. Hello, Diane. How are you? Oh, fine. How are you? Good. Well, for those of you who don't know, and... Um, there's very few of those because I managed to splash around a few web pages that uh, Diane and I were heading up to Orlando to meet Sylvester McCoy at an evening with the Doctor hosted by the people at Hurricane Who. Thank you guys. Uh, Diane and I drove up together uh, along with my wife and uh, it was a great evening, wasn't it, Diane? Yes, it was. It was um, kind of and we didn't manage to kill each other, so... No, no. Well. <laughs> I, I, I was as possible. Yes, you were. <laughs> but, uh, Megan managed to uh, enjoy herself, too, I hope. Yes, actually, uh, I was quite surprised she was... Uh, she, we, we, there was a Q&A, and, uh, um, and my wife was la- laughing rather heartily, because, I mean, Sylvester is, is, is extremely entertaining. So, uh, yeah, it was fabulous. Um, they also had a, a full-size TARDIS, which is another first for me. Well, I mean, I was 11 when I saw uh, a full-size TARDIS at Madame Two Swords in, in London. But so that's a long time ago. But uh, no, they had a full-size prop built there, light flashing. Uh, if you check on the uh, Coltham uh, site on Facebook, and on my page on Facebook, you will actually see photos of myself, Diane, and my wife in front of the TARDIS and with Sylvester. But what's, what was the highlight for you, Diane, apart from my presence? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, the highlight was meeting uh, Lewis and Janet. Uh, Lewis is the fellow who um, built the TARDIS, and Janet is the webmistress for uh, Hurricane Who. And they were both delightful. We got to spend a bit of time with them because we helped them you know, break things down at the end of the evening. And uh, they were fun and friendly and looking forward to seeing them again in October. Yep. Everybody was re- uh, really nice there. We actually, uh, I can't remember everybody's name, but we sat down with some, some wonderful people. We discussed costumes and, and prop building and, and all sorts of wonderful stuff. Um, had some good food. Uh, thanks to the folks at the Cricketers Arms in Orlando. Um, did you uh, not say that uh, Sylvester made quite a good entrance into oh, the... Oh, he uh, did. Event? It was, it was <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> go ahead, Diane. You, you, well, you go yeah. so I don't talk too much, you know. 
When we came in, we had first heard that Sylvester was in a wheelchair, that he had broken his hip. Uh, and it later turned out he was on one of those motorized scooters uh, because he had some surgery on his ankle. I guess after years of doing uh, pratfalls and silly stunts, uh, he managed to destroy all the cartilage in his ankle. So he had to have some uh, pins put in. And uh, this had been done a month, a month ago. And so he yeah. was still somewhat recovering. But uh, when he came into the room, it, it was on a little cart, and he, he was a, he had a little headlight on it and shouting out, exterminate. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we're just sitting there. We hear this coming down the hallway. <laughs> exterminate. And then he just uh, he, he zoomed right into the room. <laughs> Sorry, Diane, I cut you off. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, he, he barreled in and, you know, trying to maneuver his way around the chairs and bumping into people. And, yeah. and he was saying to me when we had a little chat that it was quite an intimate little group, so you 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 know, you know felt as though you actually were having an evening with Sylvester McCoy. Yeah, it was, there was probably, the room only held maybe about 50 people. Uh, yeah. And um, like I said, before that we had, uh, if you got there early, uh, people were having dinner. In, in the pub, and then we all went back to this, this small meeting room, and that's where they had the TARDIS set up, and they had a, a couple of chairs in the front with microphones, and uh, Jared, who's the chairman of the, the Hurricane Who Convention, um, uh, asked questions of Sylvester, and then uh, near the end, they, they opened it up to, uh, you know, people out on, the, you know, in the room. And then after that, he took pictures and signed autographs. Um, and you know, made made a groping motion at me if if you've seen the photos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, also, uh, the the interesting thing is, um, I ended up being up uh, over by all the sound gear talking to uh, uh, Lewis and uh, Janet, and uh, and there was this other guy there standing there talking, and and I'm like, uh, oh, I wonder who that guy is. And I finally figured out it's um, a, a gentleman by the name of Scott, and it's was Sylvester McCoy's son, and we had a, a a good old chat about TV in 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 the UK and New Zealand and everything. Really nice guy, um, and it was nice to see him there with his dad, you know. But yeah, um, our our evening was capped off by dismantling the TARDIS. Um, I had, I had offered to to, to Janet and uh, Lewis to to stick around and help them because you know Lewis goes around and he takes this thing apart, puts it back together, takes it apart, puts it back together, and usually by himself, which is quite a feat when you see the pictures. Um, and and so of course, if there are any children listening, this is not really true. It's a real TARDIS, and he's just telling <laughs> us a little amusing story. Yes, yes. We're it's supposed just, to it's say all, that. It's all lies, folks. It's all lies. Um, and so we, 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 we took that apart and we all had fun taking it apart. There were uh, numerous lines from Monty Python and, and all sorts. <laughs> but uh, it was... It was <laughs> Arthur! Uh, and thanks to Arthur! <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> we're rambling now, I think, Diane. 
But it was a great, a great event, and we're um, both Diane and I uh, are looking forward to uh, Hurricane Who, and you can check out the details on that at www.hurricanewho.com. And I had a panicky moment because I thought you were actually going to the the MegaCon event uh, the following day because uh, I'd suddenly realised that Charisma Carpenter was there and quite a few other of the Buffy and Angel stars, and I thought you didn't say anything about that. <laughs> it set me off on a search on the internet last night. <laughs> and, and 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 I must say thank you to Diane because Diane's like, well, I think I'll make myself a Coltham shirt, and she did. Um, and Dave had tried to get um, Dave had actually created Ooh. a new shirt and mailed it out within plenty of time, but it did not arrive. So thank goodness we had Diane there promoting the podcast. <laughs> And she oh. did get quite a few people saying, oh, what's Colton? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. say it. <laughs> Just look at the pictures and read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly as good as per- Kirsty Pixel. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Sorry, without any further, de- further delay, let's see who's in the box today. <laughs> Open the box and see who's in the Colton Collective. Oh, he's jumped to the front. He's a queue jumper. There he is at the top for you. The top for you, the top for me. Benjamin Elliott. Oh, I've got Tig Fanta at the top. Sorry. Okay, thought... Tig, Tig. Well, Tig's, is, as usual, is at the bottom oh, yeah. of my list. He's our fall guy. <laughs> Tig's, Tig's, hello, Tig's. Oh, he's not talking to me now. Well, him. Sorry, I've got to self unmute. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, enough of your self mutilation. <laughs> How is everybody this week? <laughs> Much better now you're here, sir. Uh, sorry, I couldn't make last week. Um, the convention was great, but I, I've just finished listening to last week's, and I really wish I could have made it because I love the Terminator franchise. But I had a good time anyway. So you win some, you lose some. Good, good. Well, we like people to download the show as well. And yes. uh, perhaps we should say at this point, uh, for those listening later, uh, we're on TalkShoe and it goes out live at 3.30 Eastern Daylight Time uh, and the TalkShoe ID is 54821. Okay. Also joining us on the room is Mr. This Week in Doctor Who, Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Greetings. Great to be here. And... <laughs> My usual ramblings can be found each week at new editions come out Saturdays. You can do a search for This Week in Doctor Who, or you have a Yahoo group called This Week in Doctor Who. It's uh, off the Gallifrey Base News page, off the uh, Gallifreyan Embassy page, and <coughs> if you search, you can find it. When are, when are we going to have, or is there already, a Facebook I'm a fan of This Week in Doctor Who guy. That's what I want yeah, to say. Yeah, there you go. That, what, well, I don't have, have a Facebook account. This could be holding oh. up the matter. What? 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 Okay, well, we'll have to have a... Um, if I had a Facebook account, I'd probably want your friends on Facebook, too. You might have noticed I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, well, we just thought you were ignoring us. <laughs> 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 okay, moving right along. I can't do more, anybody. The curse. <laughs> also, name also joining us in the room is Bullet Thirty Three. Hi, how's it going, guys? Good. Hi, <laughs> Great. 
Yes, I'm just here in the rafters, sniping out chat messages. Having a good time. Excellent. <laughs> Alpha John and us is Mr. Robert Kerry King ninety nine. Hello, Robert. Hello, Hello Ian. Yep. Hello, Dave. Hello, everybody. How's Hi, everybody Dave. doing today? Good, 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 good. And next on the list, Charlie P seventy nine. Hey guys. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Good yes, we yeah, can we hear you loud and well. clear. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, not a problem. It was a pleasure having you. <laughs> oh, pleasure's all uh. mine. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of pure pleasure, joining us once again after a, uh, a slight sabbatical, only he would be so bold, Mr. Darth Skeptical, welcome back, sir. What the hell is the sabbatical? <laughs> a drying out period? <laughs> and I resemble that good. remark if it weren't so true. <laughs> anyway. And also joining us in two different locations, Mr. Tim Jury. Hello, Tim. Oh, he's at the bottom there. Oh, he's at the bottom. He's got my double identity. He's, he's lurking. I'm sort of, I'm sort of got my double identity. But uh, <laughs> this week I'm live from Cambridge, and next week, thanks to the luggability of my laptop, I'll be live from Cardiff. Hooray! You'll have to give yes. us reports on 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 the uh, oh. Yanto Shrine. <laughs> yes, you're joining the list after Seb from DWO. <laughs> <laughs> and last, but certainly no, by no means least, that is an error. Uh, Voice area, Romana 2. Hello, boys. Hmm. Hey. I like that. And may I just <laughs> request Tim for you to take photos of the shrine for me? Because oh, apparently, uh, with Yanto's birthday a couple of days ago, um, there's mm. birthday cards up there now. So, yeah. <laughs> I want to see it. Well I, well, I wanted to take some an overall picture and then lots of really specific pictures. Awesome. Before it all yeah. get, before it all gets attacked by the autumn weather. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and before we come up with before we walk into the newsroom, joining us under the cone of silence, unfortunately Merlin is still unable to join us. Um, his wand is short on power. Um, he's actually working out of a ninety-eight bo- uh, Windows ninety-eight box, so he's having some difficulties at the moment. But uh, he shall return soon. <laughs> Well, anyway, joining us time. under the code of silence, <laughs> I, I mustn't read the text chat while trying to announce. <laughs> we have Logan, I Walk in Eternity, Cybob, Randall Thor, who is back, even though he said I didn't mention him in the last show. <laughs> and, oh, sorry, you were already there, Tim. Yes, I've had my coffee today, folks. News time! <laughs> Ah, uh, that must get a faster typewriter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome to the newsroom. And, seeing as he's back and in good form, Mr. Dar Skeptical, you have some news. I have a little bit of news. 
Yes, indeed. I would probably have more if I had, had time to look around at sources, but I haven't. Um, well, you know, one of the big things that has been ongoing for, oh, I don't know, 50 years has been the question of who owns Superman. Um, this has uh, to do with some arcane bits of uh, copyright law, mainly that when you buy a copyright, you do not buy it forever from a person. You buy it for a certain number of years. Um, the initial period under which Superman was sold by Siegel and Schuster, the creators of Superman, was for 25 years. And in the intervening time, uh, the U.S. Congress decided to step in and say, well, no, we're going to extend that period for another set number of years. And that period of time ended in about 1994. Um, and then they kind of extended a little bit more to about 1999. And needless to say, at this point, Warner Brothers is out of extensions. And they have been out of extensions for a few years. I'm not sure of the exact number of years, but for a few. And so the estate of Siegel, uh, Schuster is dead and doesn't really, I don't think has any heirs. I'm not entirely sure how that worked out, but Siegel is definitely the uh, dominating estate in this, has gone back to the U.S. Supreme Court, or appellate courts rather, and has um, tried to reapply for copyright from this point forward. And some interesting um, results have been had in the last uh, month, and they're not through yet, but so far what we do know is this. Um, the Seagulls own everything about Superman basically up until he joined the Daily Planet, um, which is to say they own the idea of Krypton. They own the idea of who Superman's real parents are. Uh, the nature of the departure from Krypton, very important things to the, the central Superman myth. And it would be difficult to explain how you could tell that myth without having the, now the consent of the estate of uh, Siegel. Now, they also have uh, an, a very interesting ruling that was handed down in last week on the 14th of August in which the, I don't know if it's the Supreme Court or if it's the highest appellate court, not sure quite. But anyway, they said that Warner Brothers has until 2011 to put out a Superman movie without the approval of the Siegel estate. Now that so they give them, right, they give them a sort of, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're giving, exactly. They're giving him sort of a, a stop sign up ahead kind of thing, right. which uh, may make Warner Brothers put out a really crappy film. Or it may make them put out a really good film because pressure does strange things to creative minds. But at any rate, there is now a clear end to when Warner Brothers can, without the estate of Siegel, um, put up a movie. Now, there's also some very weird stuff going on um, if, you're, if you're interested in comics. Because, of course, this year uh, in the DC Universe, there's all this stuff going on about... Uh, this world of Krypton, new Krypton, um, founded by people from the bottle city of Kandor, really complicated storyline, but the net result is it's based on Krypton. Now, that's a problem if Warner Brothers no longer owns the idea of Krypton. So you have also, along with this uh, ruling about films involving Superman, you have a a case-by-case review of exactly what Warner Brothers created and exactly what the Siegel and Schuster combination gave us. And so you find interesting rulings like um, Warner Brothers owns the fact that Superman flies, but 
Siegel and Schuster own the fact that he leaps taller than uh, buildings. Very, very detailed review of exactly what goes where. And um, no ruling yet on the amount of money that Siegel's estate stands to make off of um, this sort of quasi-legal extension that goes through 2011. There's surely going to be a lot of money coming their way. So it'll be interesting to watch that in the future. Thanks. I'm just going to hold you there because I know that it could easily get quite technical and, and take us too far along the line. But sufficient to say, one of the reasons why this is so um, important at the moment is that never in the last 10 or 15 years have uh, so many films been made by um, you know characters that started off uh, in this similar sort of way with all the sort of X-Men stories and, mm-hmm. and Marvel and DC comic characters. So uh, it's obviously going to have huge implications. Okay, it's uh, gonna, it's Ian, gonna, by are the you way, back in the it, room? It'll also kill Smallville, by the way, just to let you know. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, of course, um, the, 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 I believe the ninth series is the last, and there is some talk of a new series called Metropolis, uh, Starting and perhaps that might have been one of the underlying considerations to that decision. Exactly. Now, uh, right. Uh, I'm not too sure. Ian's running the room. He's just stepped back to get himself some coffee. So, um, uh, can I jump to Benjamin and see what news he may have. Benjamin. Uh, uh, thank you, Dave. Um, well, as far as Doctor Who goes, a uh, couple countries are well. First off, in the UK. Thursday saw the premiere of the first of a series of documentaries, uh, and the first one was called Doctor Who Greatest Moments, The Doctor. It was on BBC Three and achieved ratings accordingly, about 400,000 people. Uh, Further installments will be on The Companions this Thursday at 8 p.m., and on Enemies Thursday the 3rd of September at 8 p.m. And the BBC on their website, now has a blog with pictures and stuff, getting people ready for the animated show Dreamland, which is a Doctor Who episode with David Tennant. It will be premiering on the BBC website and on the Red Button services in the UK. And then the animation will air on BBC Two in their kids' sections, the CBC programming blocks. And it will also be on BBC HD, if you have HD service in the UK like uh, Dave. I don't know if it will air in the US or not, but it's going to be a 45-minute Doctor Who story when it's complete. And our listeners in Belgium get Series 4 of Doctor Who starting this Saturday at 4.55 on the channel Le Uh, Viewers in Spain get Series 3 on Sci-Fi Spain starting uh, September 7th. And that sci-fi is still called SCIFI. They haven't changed the name yet. And in Canada, Classic Who returns to BBC Kids next week at 1 in the morning and 5 in the morning weeknights on BBC Kids. Right. Uh, and perhaps just uh, one thing to mention about the Dreamland thing, by the way. Uh, it will reunite um, David Tennant with Georgia Moffat, who played, of course, the Doctor's daughter, but she's playing the, this time. She's playing the role of Cassie Rice, a new companion in the uh, the Dreamland. Um, and um, do you want to just mention a little bit about the Sarah Jane season three? 
Ah, uh, yes, yes. We now have the story titles for Sarah Jane's se- the third series. At the moment, it looks like the show will again air on CBBC and BBC One. And one, 12 episodes, six stories, two episodes per story. And the stories, uh, here are just the titles. So they're only spoilers if titles really bother you. But uh, first up will be Prisoner of the Jadoon by Phil Ford. Next will be The Mad Woman in the Attic by Joseph Lidster. Then will be The Wedding of Sarah Jane Smith by Gareth Roberts. And that one will feature David Tennant as a guest star. Fourth will be The Eternity Trip by Phil Ford. Fifth will be... uh, Ah, then there's a typo on my list here. Okay, The Eternity Trap by Phil Ford. The next title I have is Mona Lisa's Revenge by Phil Ford. That's supposed to be a sequel to City of Death. And then finally, The Gift by Rupert Late. Yeah, and, and each of these, of course, are two parts of stories. So we're getting 12 episodes this time, mm-hmm. uh, rather than, I think it was six, uh, sorry, ten last time, wasn't it? Five stories. Uh, yeah, in, in 2007, they had ten episodes, five stories. In 2008, it was 12 episodes, six stories. But uh, And then, of course, you had the original pilot special, which gets included with Series 1 when it's sold overseas. Uh, my now, titles can always change as broadcast dates get closer, so if any of these change, that's life. Yeah. So. Uh, Round of thoughts, just by the text, what sequel to that? It's just, uh, I think, uh, what Benjamin's alluding to is obviously uh, the the uh, the title uh, from the uh, from that episode, which of course uh, featured the uh, the Mona Lisa paintings that were were. Uh, well, I won't give any news, but I'm sure people know about the City of Death story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. If I think Mona Ian's back in. The... I imagine the seventh would get annoyed over this if it was alive. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that is that the end of your items, Benjamin? And then I'll hand back to Ian. Uh, yeah, I think that's 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 about it for now, yeah. Okie dokie. And the last piece of news I have, if uh, somebody hasn't already said it while I was gone, must have coffee for the show, you know, um, is that the show that Dave and I used to be on, um, CIA, is actually making a comeback. Yes, uh, West has actually put a uh, uh, scheduled an episode for uh, next week at 2 o'clock. And... Uh, so yeah, you can all uh, come in yes, and, we'll en- and enjoy the new beginnings of CIA. We'll uh, allow you a corridor pass to leave here for, for there as long as you return here for three thirty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, without any further ado, we will proceed to today's topic. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Whatever else happens, I am. The Doctor, whether you like it or not.
<laughs> yeah. We don't want no scream of the shocker on this show. Cult them in Thank you, Eric. <laughs> 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 yes, actually, I think our singing was marginally better. Um, anyway, today's topic uh, I am the doctor, whether you like it or not. We will be discussing what our first impressions were when a new actor took over as the doctor. As most of you know who follow Doctor Who, uh, we are coming close to the end of the Tenth Doctor's reign. Oh. No sobbing, in the, no sobbing, oh, Romana, no sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Russell's a bastard to me this year. <laughs> he set oh. out to make me cry. Oh. <laughs> so, we will cast your minds back. So when a certain Christopher Eccleston kissed Rose Tyler and said his goodbyes. <laughs> I'm sorry. And laughed, obviously. Yes. You've been and the Invisible Man and Heroes. <laughs> yes. And but you know something, Ian? Yeah. You were marvellous too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows, folks. <laughs> You've been fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, uh, why, why quote when you have a misquote? Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So we open <laughs> on the children in need special with the doctor. Oh, right. Where was I? Oh, that's right, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to start. Uh, at first, I was like, "Ooh, who's this guy?" I mean, the new teeth gag was good, um, but he, he was. I thought he was a little kind of erratic. I was like, oh, I don't know about this guy. You know, I don't know if he pulls off the leather jacket quite well enough. <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, it, it was it was it was an interesting start. Um, a, a, a lot younger looking, and you know, and the hair. Uh, and I hadn't. I mean, for me, I hadn't seen. Um, David Tennant in anything aside from, and I didn't realize it at the time, um, in um, Harry Crouch Potter as, oh, as, wow. as 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 Barty Crouch Jr. But at the time, I I had no idea it was him, and until I actually watched it back, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, it is him. Um, I was I was quite unsure. It was it was like, and and then of course the rest of the the Christmas special, he spent mostly in bed. But I must admit that the the, the, the uh, oh, kind they, of they, reminder of Peter Davison. They they so. opened it rather well because I did love the TARDIS crashing scene. It's probably one of the favorite scenes from my son and I. We will we I think we watched the Christmas episode um, about four or five times 
mainly for that scene. So, yeah. who's just next? Just rewind it back and watch it over and over uh, again, you know. So. Well, one thing, just uh, watching, uh, uh, Benjamin mentioned the, you know, these greatest uh, moments of Doctor Who that are being aired on BBC Three, and David Tennant was on that, and um, one of the things that he mentioned was that, in actual fact, the very first scene, I think, that he filmed was um, the part where he was talking to the Prime Minister, you know, when the cigarette, uh, cigarette what, spaceship is leaving, um, and then the Prime Minister orders it to be shot down with the new Torchwood uh, weapon. Uh, and then he says, I can bring you down with one word. And she said, nobody can do that. And he said, no, uh, yes. not even I can do that. I'll do it in six words. Mm. And then he whispers into the A's ear. Apparently that was the very first scene that he did as the Doctor. Um, so I would say, although you may have found him difficult to just adjust to straight away, he pretty much uh, jumped into the part, uh, you know, with a, a completely defined way he was going to play the part. I think that's what I'm trying to say in a very roundabout way. Uh, there are one or two others that you think they're going to be more comedic and then they go serious. Or they, they start being serious and then they go more comedic. But I think um, David Tennant pretty much hit the ground running. Um, and I remember one of the things that we said when we were quite a few of us were guesting on the live Doctor Who Podshot ones when we were talking about it is that um, uh, I think Kenneth said he's, you know, he's got a pretty big shadow to, st to stand away from. Uh, of the uh, eighth, uh, uh, the ninth Doctor, but he seemed to do that so quickly. He established himself. Uh, so my main thought, he was actually a very easy transition, um, and of course uh, he had a chance to get away from what we all later, uh, what we all earlier had considered a wounded uh, ninth Doctor. I think we ought to go to um, perhaps this big, her biggest fan, yeah, Sir Samantha. Well, I can't really comment because I started watching Doctor Who in Series 2. So when I started watching Doctor Who, David Tennant was already the Doctor. So for me, I'm a regeneration virgin. The next one coming up is going to be technically my first. So I don't know what I can really add to this show, really. I mean, I've watched most of the regeneration episodes, but I haven't watched them from the standpoint of, you know, like this is happening right now and it's like, oh, who's this guy kind of thing because I already know who they are when I watch them. Mm -hmm. um, it was the same with this regeneration because I'd already seen a whole series of the Tenth Doctor before I even met the Ninth. Mm -hmm. so, well, yeah. I guess the interesting thing is is, is, is once we get there is, is what you will actually think of... Because uh, for some of us as well, I mean, we will have started at one point and then gone through and then gone back and looked at some, I mean, because uh, I think probably Dave's the only one who's actually seen it from the beginning. Oh, yes. <laughs> I have, you know, young, young sir. Me and Mr. Chips at lunchtime <laughs> would sit down and watch it. I mean, my, my, I guess my defining line that, that really kind of put me at ease with, with the Tenth Doctor was, from the day they arrive on the planet, <laughs> the moment they look into the sun... Wait, hang on. And more to be seen. That's yeah. the Lion King. Hang on, that's the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right then it was just like, that's the Doctor. You know, that was that was the time when I was just like, oh yeah, he'll do. <laughs> so let's go around the room. Anybody else got any thoughts on the the the, the, the nine to ten regeneration? Oh yeah. 
<laughs> I have an oh yeah in that corner. <laughs> okay. Uh, I remember I managed to see the uh, Children in Need one, and at the time, the BBC actually believed in letting people watch certain things on their websites. And so the Pudsy, the Children in Need thing, they had a very poor quality stream up for us non-UKers. And that's how I saw the Children in Earth thing. And that was my first experience with the Tenth Doctor. And I remember I'd, I'd known this guy named David Tennant was cast, young actor. I could be Harry Potter. But I saw this first, and I'm watching this, and I suddenly realize I've seen this guy before. Because um, I had BBC America, and I've finally seen... A t- I, I recently watched something that I'd first seen in, where I was in the UK in 2000. I'd only seen, and he's in the first episode of it. It was Randall and Hopkirk deceased. Because uh, I suddenly put together, wait a minute, this is the loony guy from the pilot of Randall and Hopkirk, the guy who goes around with the chainsaw and everything. Uh, and like, this guy was an utter psychopath. He was utter nuts. And he's the doctor. I was like, what in the... And well, that was an interesting smile. first reaction. Hmm? Is that Secret Smile? He plays a psychopath in that. Yeah, I saw that one later. I saw that one later. If anyone remembers Randall Hopkirk, if you recall, Tom Baker was in all the episodes except the pilot. And because they cast David Tennant now, retroactively, we now have the doctor in every episode of Randall and Hopkirk deceased, new version. Not that the show, not that we ever got the second season in the U.S., and not that the U.S. got to see them very well at all, but it was a very bizarre thing to encounter. And then I saw Harry Potter afterwards. It was just a very strange moment, very surreal. Yeah, once you realize who he is, it's like, okay, um, what's with the tongue? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hello, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I think we might just yeah. be better just to clarify again, Ian, uh, uh, what we were thinking on this. We were thinking right. of not which was your favourite Doctor uh, and the actual ge- uh, the regeneration in itself, but, you know, when this first person was presented to you, you know, what were your reactions? Do you think, oh, my God, they've, they've ruined my favourite show with this, the, you know, they couldn't have gone worse, or I wish they'd gone for older. Um, oh. And the reason we started with... Uh, and going backwards because we thought uh, many of the the younger and newer listeners to Doctor Who listening to this podcast as essential listening of course uh, will probably be able to relate more to these ones and also Ian noted that um, like with Romana they may have started with David Tennant and seen the older Doctors after David Tennant was their Doctor so they've actually gone back through the generation and said, well, I'll, I'll see what uh, Christopher Eccleston will write. And then they found access to, uh, you know, uh, the, the seventh, eighth, maybe the, the film version and so on. So we were thinking that maybe many fans had um, had their first impressions of each new Doctor in that backwards format. Right. Dave and I discussed this last night as the, the best way to approach this, rather yeah. than taking it... Um, Going around the room, talking about everybody's first impression, (laughs) uh, everybody's first regeneration, which could be a very long or could be a very long, but probably a very short show. Um, We 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 figured that we would uh, 
start off at, at 10 and work our way backwards. So it gave the bulk of the people in the room the chance to contribute at the beginning of the show. And then as we worked back, um, we're we left actually off. with less and less people. Um, so we thought we'd, we'd, we'd do it backwards. Yeah, 10 little Indians. Yeah. So, well, if you don't mind, then I think I'll, I'll comment on number nine. But the thing is, I have a very similar reaction to my impression of Eccleson as I do to uh, the Fifth Doctor. They're very reminiscent to me as to how they progress. Oh, we can together then, by all means. Because you see, uh, the Fifth Doctor is truly my first. Um, I guess you'd say new Doctor. That was my first regeneration. But by the time that I had actually gotten it um, in North America on PBS, and of course this is before there was any real home video or anything, so we're waiting on this to come for years. But by the time that it actually had aired in my locality, it was already quite clear that Peter Davison was no longer the Doctor, that he had already handed over the reins to Colin Baker. And I had exactly the same sort of problem with um, Eccleston because I waited. I was being very, at that time, very, you know, strictly legal. And I waited to get the um, DVDs in North America Region 1 on the day that they actually came out. And, of course, by that point, um, it was all over for Eccleston. It was already a done deal. He was done. Uh, We'd already, I think by that point, there had already been the Children in Need special. I could be wrong, maybe not. But, um Certainly, he was a, a, a done doctor. And it's a very weird reaction, I think, when you're watching somebody who's new to you, but yet you know is a marked man. Um, Welcome to my world. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. It is sort of. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, this is a weird show if you don't live in Britain, I think, because you don't get to have immediate reactions most of the time. Um, and it, it, it's a little bit unfortunate because you don't invest yourself, I think, entirely in whoever that, that new person is if you know that they're already done. And so for me, I mean, it was the same actually for the Sixth Doctor and for the Seventh Doctor because both of those, by the time we actually got around to them, um, they were done as well. So, Well, yeah. I mean, one of the annoying things to me, which again is slightly off topic, is that um, the announcement that Christopher Eccleston He'd only been the doctor for about three weeks, and they announced he was leaving. And I almost thought, well, I don't really want to like him because, you know, he's used up a regeneration. Uh, you know, I've only got so many to go, and he's wasting one of our my ge- regenerations. Um, Can I but dive I think in he... on Eccleston Day before I go? Because yeah. I'm going to have to go soon. Yes, certainly. I, I'm, I seem to be in the minority. I'm, I seem to be one of the few people who had real trouble accepting him as the Doctor because I never liked this angst-ridden character who was beaten down by being involved in a war and then didn't have his people to go back to. And the only time I, I really regarded him as the Doctor was when Moffat wrote for him. As he got to the end of... Um, uh, the um, Second World War story, which I forget the name of now. <laughs> yeah, the Doctor... And the Doctor Dances. And he did that whole <laughs> speech about, just for once, everyone lives. And I thought, at last, he said something that sounds like the Doctor. Yeah. But, um, because what he wanted his... to do... 
let's get rid of mm. all the baggage of Gallifrey and this, that and the other. That was their impression. But all they did was hand him another lot of, gar- uh, of uh, baggage in terms of uh, his guilt and angst. Mm. Well, yeah, well said, Romana. Yeah. Oh, so much angst. As I'm gonna, uh, as I'm gonna have to yeah, go, go soon, I'll, I'll, I'll just dive in on the sixth doctor before I leave you, uh, and that's that. When when he, he dives in and his, his his first story, you think he's going to strangle his companion. I suddenly thought, I don't know if I'm gonna like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and now now he's among my favourite doctors, but mostly thanks to the the great work of Big Finish. Yeah, so and I'll, the I'll, Colin Baker. And the, well, yes. <laughs> and if you can ever catch him at a convention, do his excellent value. Well, I'll, I'll leave you to the rest of the discussion. I've got to get on because I'm back to work tomorrow, so I've got to make make tomorrow's lunch and things. Okay. Well, thanks for Cheers. joining us, Tim. Bye. Okay. Bye, well, fun. before we permanently move to to uh, the ninth doctor, does anybody have any more thoughts well, on? Yeah, on there's quite 10? a few. Tiggs uh, hasn't really spoken. Um. Go ahead. Tiggs. Tiggs. Okay, so I thought someone else was about to speak then. Um, yeah, I found that one um, quite interesting because, I mean, yes, the Ninth Doctor was a lot darker of a Doctor, but I did, I found it interesting. But the, the other thing is, again, I'm probably one of the few who didn't mind too too much about the fact that we found out so early that he was going to regenerate at the end of the season. I mean, on the one hand, it would have been nice for it to be a surprise. But for another, it did make a certain amount of sense to me. As I think I've said before, you know, the the 2005 season, it's like it, brought, it reintroduced a new generation to the Doctor, to the TARDIS, you know, and through Rose's eyes, we were reintroduced to everything else. And it made perfect sense that one of those things that we get introduced to early on would be regeneration. And the fact that suddenly you went from this kind of, this dark, survivor guilt-ridden, angsty Doctor, to the still occasionally dark, but mostly apparently very, very manic and hyperactive Doctor, it perfectly summed up the whole concept of regeneration in that underneath he is still the same man, underneath he has the same experiences and memories, but some part of his personality goes through this massive change and he can be a very, very different person, yet the same. So I like the fact that that happened. I mean, yes, more Eccleston would have been interesting, but it made perfect sense to me to do it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think half half my objection was not the fact that they did that it happened, but that that we were made aware it was going to happen. I mean, if it had just come as a shock, that would have been great because one of the things that uh, Doctor Who has done, it, it's not been afraid, you know, albeit fairly rarely, and you know, spoiler warning, uh, Adric had a sticky end, you know. So um, things like that are I mean, good it, and shake you up. The, the news broke between episodes one and two, if I remember correctly, and I think yeah. that was just a bit too early. I mean, like I said, I was okay with it. I wouldn't have minded at least getting half of the season out of the way. But again, I think I'm one of those people who I don't mind knowing that something's coming as long as I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. You know, I 
didn't find it too distracting from the rest of the first series to know that Christopher Eccleston was you know, going to leave the series and was going to be a new Doctor. Similarly to how at the moment I don't find it too distracting to know that you know, there's another regeneration upcoming despite the fact that we've still got three episodes left. To me it doesn't take anything away personally because you know, I'm still interested to see how the, the rest of the David Tennant era plays out and how the regeneration happens and what's coming up because yes we're already getting production stills but the last David Tennant episodes haven't aired yet so I'm still looking forward to them but certainly in the case of Christopher Eccleston it would have been nice if we if it hadn't been before episode two that we found out that he was only going to be there for one season it was a wee bit early in my opinion it's almost mm. like he was used as a stopgap between um, him and Tennant yeah. Well, then it came on. Well, in a way, I think they said, haven't they, that they were using a big name to uh, launch the series. Really, that that when you think on Christopher Eccleston, I mean, David Tennant is is maybe even a bigger star than Christopher Eccleston now. But they caught him just before he was what they call an emerging actor, which hopefully is exactly what they've done with Matt Smith, uh, and we're going to be lucky, I hope, with that. I think yeah. it was in the cards that they knew that um, Tenant was on. I think it was never clearly explained to us. I don't know, maybe other people might have got more information about if um, Christopher was the one to decide, well, I'm just going to do one year, or, you know, during the time that they signed up Eccleston, that they also had Tenant signed up as well. It was never really fully explained how that situation went, if, it, if he was on his own you know, yeah. decide, well, I'm going to leave after a year or what? I think they were both on the original shortlist, I would think. Uh, we've also, Ian, uh, I know you're running this show, but we've got uh, a few more, and I don't know if Diane wants to jump in, and uh, a couple more with mics. Yep. Anyone? Anyone? Diane? No, uh, Sam already made my comment that I had seen the secret smile before I got to see Tennant as the doctor, and I heard about what he's like in that, and it's just like, oh my goodness, I've got to check that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like seriously disturbing. Well, that's right. I didn't know what the story was about. You know, I didn't know the details of it. I just thought, oh, hey, this is going to have the new doctor in it. I'll see what, you know, what he's all about before he, he takes over it. He should have picked up Blackpool. He should have picked up Blackpool instead. That wouldn't have been as, as disturbing. Yeah, it hasn't been <laughs> released in uh, Region 1 yet. So. I know, I know. That's so stupid. It's been released in the UK and here. But, yeah. Oh, well. That's another story. <laughs> Anybody Charlie? else? Um, Charlie, what's going on? Well, I, yeah, yeah, the, the David Tennant. The only thing about, um, you know, with David Tennant, I didn't really um, know that know that much about him. I, I was sort of, unlike Christopher Elkelson, which I, I heard of him, uh, David Tennant, I didn't know that much about him, and I sort of, like, stick my head under the, the, the dirt. Along, same thing when I'm going with Matt Smith. I'm not watching anything with Matt Smith until I see him as a doctor. So, and, you know, and then it was like, you know, my... And um, you know David Tennant, um, you know he, I can say he's fine. Like he he grew over me. Like with uh, um, uh, around series three during the whole uh, 
uh, human nature, family of blood, I start, you know, I, I start like, you know, liking them quite a bit more, quite a lot. And then, so, uh, yeah, that's that's all I have to really have to say about uh, Dr. Okay. Ken. I had a weird sort of reaction to David Tennant um, because I... I forget how exactly the order of this, but there there was a period of time where somehow I was aware that David Tennant was being considered for being the ninth doctor. And I had then become familiar with his work and had been like, oh man, I really don't want to see this guy as the doctor at all. And I'd actually seen, I believe I'd seen Casablanca before I saw, oh yeah, I definitely saw Casablanca before I saw Doctor Who, season one. And so I was like, "This is just Casanova, too- you mean?" Yeah, Casanova. And I was like, "This is this is ridiculous. This guy is going to turn this into something like Sylvester McCoy did, or you know, the really bad excesses of a of an overly gurning doctor." And there's still that actually in David Tennant's performance for me. Sometimes it's just it's a little bit too much over the top. But um, you know, there, there's clearly. A reason to like David Tennant as a doctor, and I do. Um, but I remember at the time thinking, of these two guys, I'm glad that it's Christopher Eccleston. And as soon as he went, I'm like, well, then that naturally means that we're going to get Tennant in there. And I was not very enthused um, up until the moment that I saw the uh, Parting of the Ways and actually saw a little bit of him as the doctor. And I was like, well, maybe that'll work out. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I know. Sorry, I know Tim's now gone, but uh, mm. I think he's, he's quite right when he comments that with nearly every doctor, I think that people who have uh, actually watched, uh, you know, them from the whether they watched it when it was actually first aired or whether they watched their stories in sequence, um, you definitely come to a point and and suddenly they'll say something, they'll have an action, they'll they'll they'll, they'll deal with a situation where you think, well, why didn't he just cast them all out, or this, that, the other, and he gives them another chance, or he does this, that, and then you say, yes, yes, he is the Doctor. And I think, uh, and I think Ian will agree with me with this, you know, nearly everyone has had that point where, you know, you're not sure, you're not sure, you're not sure, and they make that little thing, you know, everybody lives as it, was in the case of uh, the Ninth Doctor, and then suddenly, um, you know, then you, you you sort of warm to them, and um, uh, you know, then go go with the flow, as it were. After that, yeah, I mean, uh, that's where I'd have to agree with Tim on that one. Is that was, I guess, that was the 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 punching the air moment where I'm like, yes, that's the Doctor, when he said, you know, just this once, everyone lives, because it was, to me, that was a reference to to his entire history, you know, that, you know, finally, after all this time, everybody lives. And so that's like, oh yeah, that's the Doctor. Really, it didn't take me anything like that long. I mean, literally, from the very first moment that he's on screen, I totally accepted Eccleston as the Doctor. I mean, giving him the first line of run, I think, was absolutely brilliant. I I really missed the Eccleston Doctor, and it, I bonded with him immediately. Right. Well, I think, again, I know you're running this show, Ian, but uh, if we can move to the Ninth Doctor now then, I mean, uh, the the thing that made it difficult for me to accept him straight off was when he was doing what we call in the UK, I don't know if it's the same in other countries, it's called gurning, where you you sort of pull a face and, um, 
you know, his ears seem to suddenly stick out when he, he pulls that funny, um, what I think is uh, a little bit like, um, oh, um, uh, lo not Laurel and Hardy, the thin one in Laurel and Hardy. That sort of, uh, you'd almost, I could almost see him putting his hands... You mean Stan Laurel? Yeah, yeah, Stan Laurel and tickling his hair, you know, and pulling that sort of silly face. And I didn't like the little stunt with the... Um, with the uh, the plastic ar uh, arm and so on, and uh, I was still unsure about that bit where he looked in the mirror, uh, as though it was the first time he'd seen his face. So, um, right. uh, uh, it I mean, took I, me a while. Yeah. When he did the dramatic, for me, I think it was early. I, I think um, the scene with the Dalek. Uh, I think that was it. Was that earlier? That yeah. was a great scene. I thought. Right. Uh, I mean. I, I think we. I mean, I, I'm going to focus kind of on the first episode because it's like yeah. that's when we're yeah. expected to, as fans. I mean, the general yeah. public, you know, it's it's all about that punch at the beginning and 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 getting it off to a, a good start, which it did. Um, I I like I said, I wasn't quite sure. I mean, even even from the run line, um, he just seemed a little kind of. Goofy, and I wasn't quite sure on the accent either. Um, and the, and the kind of oh, lots of planets have a north. It's like, eh. But I, I guess the you know he got that wrong. He missed the word pole out. Every <laughs> planet has a north pole. Oh, pole. Told you. Uh, but uh, I guess it was the second episode that really kind of um, you know when he at the end when he introduced he when he talked about the fact that he was the last of his people and all that. And it's like, oh, now I get that you're from somewhere else, you know. Um, I guess for for me, he could have been anybody in in that first episode, um, aside for his speech to the nesting consciousness. You know, he just he could have just been anybody. Um, <laughs> I sound like Christopher H. Bidmead. I resent <laughs> that comment. <laughs> I am nothing like Christopher. Christopher Bidmead. <laughs> Christopher uh, Hamilton, sorry. Hamilton. I don't even have a middle CHB, name, thank you very much. CHB to his friends. CHB, <laughs> yes. I always thought um, Lawrence Olivier himself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'd, I'd have to say, it's, it's, it's a shame. I mean, I think the only people who are complaining about the fact that there wasn't a... We didn't see a regeneration um, was, was the fact that... It was the fans, you know. Nobody else was really that concerned. Um, well, I would have really liked to have seen it, though. Yeah. But well, I, I mean, understand it, it, why it was nice. the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Russell said that you don't want to start um, a new series with a new generation, have a guy being wheeled in on like a, a stretcher that hadn't changed. You know, like they tried that with the the '96 movie and it didn't really work. So you could no. just start jumping straight with someone new. Yeah. Yeah, but up yeah. to that date, that was the better generation compared to the. Um, other ones in the past. I like the regeneration in that one. But yeah, I understand seeing yeah, it through the eyes of Rose, a, and that's why they didn't do it. As a reboot, it didn't work in the movie. You know, you can't have your, your main actor change halfway through the movie and still have people who don't know the backstory to get it. You know, it's, it's not a good move. Yeah. Yeah. When we get to... When we get to... Uh, to, to uh, well, actually, I suppose we're there now. But uh, apparently, <laughs> according to Sylvester McCoy... Uh, from what Sylvester told me on Friday, 
um, originally there was there was a, a a much bigger part for him in that movie, and they're like, oh no, we want because he's like, oh, you just want me to come in, do the regeneration sequence, and then uh, and then and go home. Um, and they're like, oh no no no, we want you to like he was uh, I guess supposed to be in like you know a half or more, um, and was supposed to have quite a bit. Uh, but he says each time the script came in, there was less and less until you got basically, you know, what you see in the movie. So, you know, I'd agree. It's it, it's very very difficult to begin something with you know. Oh, hello, I'm the doctor. Bang. Oh, I'm regenerating. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't work. I mean, mean, again, I think I personally found it did work in the movie, but then again, I'd seen several regenerations and the entirety of the Sylvester McCoy run. So, you know, I wasn't coming at it dry. It's like, oh, look, it's a cameo from the old Doctor. I remember him. Oh, he's looking a bit well-worn and travelled. Oh, he's been shot. Oh, he's regenerated. Wow, the effects look good these days. For anyone watching it for the first time, it's like, who's this bloke? Oh, I guess we're going to get used to him. He's dead already. I confused now, you know. And yeah. again, I can see why they didn't do a regeneration at the beginning of the Christopher Reckleson thing. Again, as a fan, I personally would have loved to see it. But as something hoping to introduce Doctor Who to a whole new generation, it really did have to just start in running with the new Doctor. And although, as a fan, I would have loved to see a regeneration, as a realist, I think it worked better without. I think yeah. what hurt the movie was there just wasn't that much of a backstory added to the movie itself. And if you were just coming in fresh, not seeing the series in the past year, you wouldn't know what the heck was going on. I mean, you, you know, you're just That's placed right in that out. situation. Yeah. Um, I just want to uh, point out what. Uh, well, actually, Charlie, you're on audio. I'd, I'd like you to. Um, yeah. To to mention that comment that you put in there about McCoy. Oh, he went down like a punk. I mean, he just he went out there and bang, bang, bang. He falls down. It was like what? But know, my comment was McCoy's doctor was killed by other doctors, which could be unique in who he'd have survived the gang thugs. But when the doctors went in with the little needle and messed things up, and McCoy right. pleaded with them and tried to fight with them, and they and they anesthetized him so he wasn't strong enough to fight back. So he was killed by Doctor Error. Mm-hmm. He yes, survived the thugs. The thugs were just little punks with guns, and you know the doctor got with that. <laughs> And then he he was revived by Dr. Frankenstein. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, has anybody else got any more thoughts on uh, Chris's beginnings before we uh, before we Uh, proceed? I'll just give him a little a little brief um, thought. Even though I didn't really watch his regeneration technically when it happened. um, I don't know. For me, the Night Doctor maybe because I'd already seen the tenth in action for a season I really wasn't that into him and I still aren't I don't know what it is I don't think he really came I didn't really start liking him until um, till Captain Jack came about but I think that dynamic of the three of them just worked a lot better because at the beginning it was too much like you know oh I'm angsty now oh you know it's, it's like angst 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 and Rose was like oh doctor doctor and it's just like you needed something in there to break that up and um and yeah, I didn't really start liking it until you know Captain Jack came about and um, the Empty Child. But yeah, the Night Doctor never really been a huge fan. You know, I don't hate him, but at the same time, he's just too angsty and 
I'm not not a huge fan of him. But yeah, that's really all I got to say on mine. Um, yeah, I would have liked to see the regeneration. I still want to see the regeneration happen, but I don't think we're ever going to see it. Yeah, you can imagine. Well, see, the beauty of Eccleston though is that his one season is a direct mirror of the original season one. That you get to know him in exactly the same way that we got to know William Hartnell, and and you have that same sort of character arc for the ninth Doctor that you do for the first Doctor, where it starts out and you know the first Doctor's all gloomy and he's an anti-hero, and by the end of that season though, you know you like him, he's become more friendly, and it's the same thing with the ninth Doctor. That's what I kind of like about it is the echoing of back to the the origins of the show. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him before. I never seen, seen um, Tennant before, but I did see Eccleston before when he was in 28 Days. So, you know, I was familiar with him when he took the role of the Doctor. But, of course, my favorite one was The Unquiet Dead, going into um, The Empty Child. I wasn't... I was okay with Rose, and the second one kind of bored me a little bit. But the third one I really enjoyed... Um, where to go back and meet Charles Dickens, and that's why I, you know I I really did like Eccleston. It was very sad that you know we only had one year of him. I would love to see him progress in a oh, second series. Happy with, yeah. <laughs> I was happy with one year. I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> um, just to let everybody know, um, Howley is actually. Howley T has actually joined us today. Hello, Howley. Unfortunately, she's Howley. under the cone of silence. Um, we didn't expect to see you today, and we're glad you're here. Um, she's actually put some of her thoughts in in the text. Um, uh, she said she, she thought uh, Eccleston seems, uh, seemed a bit strange, but um, didn't have anything to follow on from. But he was on Blue Peter, and all I knew of Doctor Who was the old bloke in the scarf. <laughs> Love it. So anyway, um, I think we shall move on to the very short reign of uh, the Eighth Doctor. Oh, the Eighth Doctor. I hurt him. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. He's so pretty. (laughs) I I absolutely... I mean, I'm not... I'm not a huge fan of the movie in itself, but... Yeah, same here. Paul McGann was great as the Doctor. Um, he was... I know he's a little melodramatic at the beginning there. Like, no, this is happening in Mulan. But he was Who great. Who am I? Uh, yeah, the, the, whole, the whole Christ reference, <laughs> wrapped in the robes and and finding this deserted wing of the hospital. <laughs> where, I mean, where was that wing of the hospital? It was all exposed and broken glass and mirrors everywhere. I'm like, she wandered onto the X Files set. Yeah. <laughs> Which, incidentally, it was uh, the X-Files that had that hospital just before they filmed the movie. Right. Uh, and, uh, but, so that was a little kind of melodramatic, but, uh, I, I thought he was, I thought he was brilliant. Um, very doctorish. Loved the costume. Loved the hair, actually. Um, <laughs> even though it's a wig? Even though it's a wig. Um, it's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I mean I think I mean it was the I think it was hard, hardest for him out of all of them to make such an impression in such a short time, which basically ended up being you know the only time we'd see him on screen. Um, and that kind of puzzled me. 
Ian. What he, what's that? We have, and we really don't consider it in canon, the Scream of the Shaka. I don't know why, since, you know, they didn't put him in that role instead of Richard E. Grant. That could well, have been something else for him. Huh? Richard E. Grant's one was supposed to be a regular series, and then DBC One came along and usurped it. Mm. Right, and Richard E. Grant has to do with the Ninth Doctor, not the Eighth Doctor. Well, I mean, they could have scooted it around to where it would have worked in because it was so unfair of him just to have that little bit of the movie and then just to go on and do the audio as a big finish, you know, Paul McGann. I, it's I just sad, isn't it? I bet it would have made Shulk on Eighth Doctor story if the people doing it had known the BBC One was going to bring in a Ninth Doctor. I think the only reason to have a new Doctor was they thought they were going to get a series of stories and they were going to have a new incarnation the next generation of Doctor Who, not as a TV show, but as an internet place. Mm. Right. It's just got um, is, isn't Richard E. Grant now called the Ince Doctor? <laughs> the Ince Doctor. <laughs> See, nobody the wants to acknowledge him. <laughs> oh, it's the same thing with um, Peter Cushing and what Joanna Lumley and Warren Atkinson. It's like that people who were the Doctor but kind of aren't, that aren't really canon, you know. I walk in eternity brings up a, a a lovely point which I'm going to inject into the conversation. I'm half human on my mother's side. Mm. I've seen a fantastic macro about that. <laughs> um, basically, it was um you know it's the doctor and the talking to the face of Bo and the face of Bo goes, you remember what you said? You know, it's like guess what? <laughs> I'm your mummy. Because <laughs> in in one of the stories, Captain Jack says, "Oh, I'll never get pregnant again, or something, or something like that." And it's, just, it's I'll have to find a link to it. It's hilarious, but anyway, <laughs> it's like a screen cap story thing that we can go through. It's all silly. But yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think yes, it's one of those lines which is sort of going down as something which was said. The fact that it was said is canon, but how it fits in is one of those things that just gets conveniently avoided by any future productions until such time as a writer finds a good way to handle it. But then again, I don't think it's the first th first thing that's been that way. You know, there's so many things in the Doctor Who history, some of which that contradicts each other. It's just one of those things that will either that will either become used again or won't. Right. Well, the thing with um the didn't Mark to um the Doctor Cone didn't he say you know when he said when he found out that he was human he said oh that's disgusting he wouldn't be saying that if he'd been human before so when he said that I thought that completely squashed that bit of canon. Yeah, right, but in the Christmas there. invasion, the Doctor says that being human is optional to him. Yeah. yeah, Russell T. Davies had to address that. Oh, well, he's got his chameleon, he's got his chameleon arch. He can change his biology, so technically it is. Right, I mean... Other than that. And then the other thing is that the Eighth Doctor claim of humanity kind of explains the Romana regeneration scene in Destiny of the Daleks, because clearly there she's not picking only, you know, the, or picking choices from the same type of... Uh, species, um, so you know it, it would it seem possible that the Doctor has the ability, or any Time Lord has the ability to sort of graft onto him or her whatever the hell they want to. Mm. 
Right. In a non-emergency situation, yeah. 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 Um, actually, at the end of the day, though, this little bit is actually explained very well by an IDW comic, uh, The Forgotten. There's a little eighth oh, doctor. Yes. There's a little eighth doctor vignette in there in which he explains to his cellmate, who's a, a Malmuth like um, Chanto in um, that, that in Utopia. He explains to his cellmate that um, it, it was all a ruse that he did. In order to fool the master, mm. which totally makes sense to me too. So yeah. that's my um, canon. That's my <laughs> canon right there. I, I'm not entirely which which sure which episode it is. It, it might be uh, the commentary for Blink or what. Um, I'm off that episode nonetheless. Uh, actually, it might be Silence of the Library. Um, but oh, it was to do with the red. Being sold, you have to tell you. It was to do with the red settings on on the uh, on the Dan- damper driver, and yeah. and and they're like, oh, and I think Russell T Davies, oh, you're you're gonna get the fans with that, and he's like, and it's all up to you when you take over the show, and he goes, yep, when I'm in charge, boom, canonized, take that. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody who thinks that 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 Stephen Moffat's gonna straighten the show out, you've got another thing coming, people. Yeah. Oh, come on, he's so not. He's going to shake it up his heck. And he's going to piss off a lot of people. And it's going to be marvellous. But I'm just going to be staring It is, it is, it is. Stephen's been knowing to say, it's like, you'll get on Russell for all the all the gay jokes. He's like, I've got more j- gay jokes in my episodes than he has in the whole series. I know, but I just feel so sad. <laughs> but the thing with the bananas, come on. Yeah. I was just saying, I just feel so sad about Paul McGann. Just you know, what we have of him is in the the audio realm, and you know, I would love to see more, you know, him in the video realm. To be honest about it. Right. Yeah, me too. I'm still hoping for a time war flashback with the Eighth Doctor, <laughs> but. My idea, ideal regeneration for the Temp Doctor was him to meet the Eighth during the Time War. That was, but I don't think that's going to happen, sadly. But, yeah, that's what I really love to see. Yeah. Well, that brought up an interesting question, too. At the time, um, Eccleston um, was hunting down the um, nesting. Was it when he switched from McGann to him, or was Gann searching it and then... He had the time war, and then it switched over. Kind of brings up an interesting reckon, question on that. I reckon McGann went through the time war, and he regenerated into nine because of the time war. That's my opinion. Anyway. Dave, welcome yeah. back to the land of yeah. audio. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was. Uh, I had problems. I was worried about jumping out <coughs> since I'm in the chair. I didn't want to bring the room to a close, but it uh, seems okay. I don't know if my local recording will be all right. Uh, I just thought... Were there any little audio clips that you were going to play during the course of this, or are we not up to the doctor yet? That particular we're doctor? not up to that one yet. Uh, I've got an audio clip lined up for the for our next section. Uh, does anybody else have any more thoughts on Paul McGann? Mm-hmm. And and the transition between yeah. the two, apart from the fact that McCoy went down like a punk. <laughs> I like That's a great line. <laughs> I like to think Thanks, the question mark gone. Oh, oh. I like to think that McGann had gone before the Time War because I just don't see McGann 
actually wiping out the Time Lords. Eccleston, I could actually see pulling the trigger, and I could see him being so ashamed that he couldn't even regenerate. He couldn't do anything. He, that he just that he he just he just completely lost. So like he looks in the mirror and he doesn't even understand who he is anymore. Not because he's regenerated, but because he's just in a fog. And I, yeah. I, I personally okay. like that idea. It also means that you could have Eccleston in pre-Time War stuff. And frankly, well, I doubt Eccleston would want to do it. I'd love the idea of Eccleston in some big Finnish audios as this young, excited, jaunty guy pre-Time War with a completely different personality. Yeah. yeah. Of that course, what happens, that was what uh, I mean, uh, because the Doctor can be in any different time, sorry, Ramona, in any different time zone okay. in, in his time uh, line, uh, what could have happened, Benjamin? I mean, when we first see Rose and she's going to find out about the Doctor and she goes to that enthusiast, you know, and the woman opens the door and said, it's a girl, <laughs> you know, one of your... <laughs> fans and um, he shows her pictures of the Doctor and the Titanic and then with a, an right. old western tone. now what you could argue is he did exactly what the 8th Doctor had to do in Blink uh, is, is get back the old way of living through the years you know uh, looked as though maybe he, he exiled himself in, in what we would class as uh, you, you know the world's past and basically lived a simple life and maybe you know it Maybe it took a hundred years um, to get back to where we first see him in Rose, just to, to sort but of, uh, you know, as a... The doctor became a hermit, pretty much. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But a doctor a hundred years and still and still that angsty? I don't believe that. <laughs> Surely you'd get over it in a hundred years. <laughs> well, I don't know. If his lifespan is over 900 years, that's only equivalent to 10 years, isn't it? And you can be angsty for ten years. Trust me, been there, done that. <laughs> Mostly got over it. <laughs> all righty, Diane. Ready to go any, on any, any thoughts? No. No. Okay. Don't wait. Well, I was I just think... bad. But yeah, crashing on. <laughs> yeah, crashing on. <laughs> okay. Well, we will jaunt way back in time from the. Uh, the American movie to uh, this. Star Wars? All right, that's that one then. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard the guns at first, I thought he's playing Blake Seven here. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, he doesn't have a very good. You went down like audio, punk. audio version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but of course, went down like punk. 
those were the opening moments of Sylvester McCoy uh, taking over what a terrible Doctor. episode. Uh, and of course, um, not a very good introduction uh, for for Sylvester, I think, and in the characterization, I think that was was written for him. Um, he did say on Friday that um, the the later season uh, was was more to what he thought he should be playing it as, and this kind of goofy, you know, um, schlapsticky doctor was not really his thing. Um, but he, you know, played, you know, it's a job. You you do it as cast. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was a difficult one to take. I think um, when he went darker, it was better, Ian. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. But it was, uh, you know, I mean, of course, you know, the opening of that um, of that episode, um, who, which I found out later, of course, that Colin Baker wasn't in it at all. And I was like, "Wow, really?" And you can't blame. And then you look him. at it, and you can actually see the wig. You know, uh, yeah. get out of here. But I did like the open. In. Oh my. In. In. Oh. We're losing people. He's gone again, Uh-oh. hasn't he? He's regenerated. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Did my cat, cat scare Ian off? Well, I got thrown off earlier, so um, it's uh, torture doing its usual tricks. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, Tiggs, do you want to take the floor for a moment? We'd like to put you on the spot. <laughs> um, yeah, um, chances are the... Um, I'm hearing myself in my headphones. Yeah. Um, chan- chances are the um, the sixth, seventh transition was probably the first one that I clearly remember because um, I would have been about ten at the time. Um, and though having seen it since, I've noticed how cheesy it looks when you realise it's clearly not Colin Baker regenerating. But you know, again, I think it's one of the first ones that I clearly remember because I do remember watching Colin Baker and then watching Sylvester McCoy, and. Again, I think I like the change. I mean, I think by that point I was, although it's the first one I'm, I was old enough to remember clearly. I'd been watching Doctor Who long enough to just be completely used to the concept of regeneration. Um, so yeah, it just it just seemed really good to me, and you know, just an interesting take. I mean, I'm probably one of the few who really really enjoyed Sylvester McCoy, but you know, I was ten years old at the time, and I just always liked the fact that the show changed, and I didn't find any any real problems with it. But I guess I was too young to really notice any of the flaws at the time, and then going back and watching them, I just watched them all, you know, to the joyous view of nostalgia. But you know, I I liked the change, and I did find it was. You know, it was interesting that, you know, things definitely changed. Um, heck, the costume was a lot less loud in comparison. Yeah. Although yeah. maybe looking at it in hindsight, it still looks a little bit garish <laughs> these yeah. days. But uh, if the sound, the sound quality's gone slightly, so if you if you get muted for a moment, I'm just trying different people to see where it's gone. At first, what I thought what was happening is although we can't hear the Sixth Doctor, he seems to have disappeared. Hello. Maybe we'll get... Ah, he's back. back he regenerated back. And not a moment too soon. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, he's regenerated. Yes, I regenerated. Does he have a certain interest in rolling his R's now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you think <laughs> your clothes still fit? <laughs> no teeth. 
<laughs> Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> Did you regenerate your shoes? <laughs> Should be the same shoes. Anyway, where were we? Because I even lost you guys for a bit there. Oh dear. How about a terrible story? Tom and our Ronnie one. Ugh. Yeah. I, I, I liked that one, but again, I was only probably about ten at the time, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't think it was... I mean, there were elements of that story that I really, really liked. For once, they were on a a planet that had alien-looking aliens, and they even ran weird, which I kind of liked, um, even though they had cornflakes stuck to them. But... Uh, Ian, can I just interrupt? It yes. sounds as though you got thrown off. One or two are saying, oh, we got sound. Uh, so it may well be that Torch, you had a wobble there and threw a few off. I think so, because, so. I mean, I, I heard you guys calling for me, and then everything went dead. Um, so, yes. We corrected the neutron type. flow, so yes. we can hear you Reverse. now. Reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. <laughs> mm. Okay. God, um. oh, I've lost my thought. <laughs> well, you okay, know, the I mean, doctor was kind of interesting from an American's perspective because he was actually over here on a publicity tour before his um, episodes had in any way hit British airwaves. So, in, in fact, I one of the earliest announcements that he was going to be the new doctor was actually done stateside as opposed to in Great Britain. And it may, in fact, have been the first time anywhere in the world that it was noted that he was going to be the new doctor. And it came really out of left field to people who had been, you know, again, waiting for Colin Baker's episodes. And then suddenly, just like with the fifth doctor, he's not going to be there that long. And I, I remember seeing some very early... Um, or some stills from this publicity announcement. Um, in that it was that mobile Doctor Who exposition thing that went around the U.S. in the mid '80s, and John Nathan Turner was there at the same time, so you knew that it was official. And I remember looking at the guy and thinking, "All right, I don't even know what Colin Baker's all about yet, and this is the guy that's going to replace him." And he just looked ridiculous. He looked utterly, utterly ridiculous. And then when his stuff finally came to American Airways, and uh, you saw Time in the Ronnie, I hated it. From the opening logo change, which was ridiculous, to the um, the opening, the theme music change, which was even worse. And then, this is the guy they give us? I mean, he was horrible. He still is horrible. He's ridiculous. He's a waste of time. He destroyed Doctor Who. Let's forget about him and move on. <laughs> There's no, there's nothing about him. Seriously, there's nothing that's redeeming about the Sylvester McCoy era. Can't think of it, except that, maybe. Except that he does provide a bridge to get to the Eighth Doctor. Mm-hmm. All right. I can't agree with Fine. that. I can't agree with that. Cause he, and and ace. He, he and the Ace together made a good pairing. Oh, I mean, my God. I think she lifted <laughs> <laughs> different show. And in actual fact, I had an idea, Ian, that since we're doing this, perhaps we ought to, a few weeks down the line... Do one, you know, on first initial thoughts of companions, right? But down the line, sometimes. Well, Mark yeah. knows I liked his last season. I, I did enjoy. I like Battlefield. I like Curse the Fenwick. I just wasn't crazy about Ghostlight. Survival was okay, but I think he was finally starting to get his feel in the last season, and I did, I did enjoy, it. and I did like Ace, even though I know 
you like Bonnie better than Ace, but Dorf, I'm an Ace fan. I think he would have been a better Doctor as an older Doctor as well, because he came across quite well in the film, even though he was only in for a short time. I, I would right. have liked to have seen him, uh, you know, in those years that we, we hadn't got it after survival. Well, actually, uh, Sylvester on Friday said... <laughs> that well, you've met when, him, when have you? Name dropper. Yes, <laughs> name dropper again. Um, when he said when he did the movie, he said that's the age he thinks he should have been when he played the Doctor. He thought he was. He actually thought, uh, and I think he was forty when he took over the role. He said uh, he thought he was too young to play his doctor. Um, I have to agree that the, the beginning of of his his tenure as, as the doctor was was very very rough. Um, but in the last season, I think there were some uh, great stories. Um, he was a great doctor. There was a great chemistry between the two of them. I think it was let down by some bad direction and appalling music. Um, and but there were some great there were some great stories in there. They just weren't well realized on screen. Um, and I think McCoy, you know, really played to the strength of that doctor in the last season. I always got the impression that the Seventh Doctor was an older Doctor, you know, and not even just going necessarily from memory, you know, going back from watching some of the Eighth Doctor stuff on DVD, he comes over as, you know, he's he's the old uncle to Ace, you know, he, I mean, maybe it's in comparison to a character that was at least supposed to be around secondary school age, he comes over as the older uncle, you know, the you know, the fun but older gentleman. So he always carried that air of older character to me. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I suppose, sorry, I, sp- I mean, I suppose the thing about the character is, and as hope, you know, as we chances are we're going to see, and we always do, really, you know, you can play that older character regardless of how old you are as an actor because the character has been through so much. Right. <laughs> yeah, nice one, Howie. Howie says, fun the older gentleman. It sounds like a personal ad. <laughs> oh my. Fun the older gentleman seeks companions. Looking for young girls. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just in the prime. Yeah, unfortunately, when you do look at it that way, some of the companions do seem a whole lot dodgier when you look at it in that particular light. But that's um, a team for her. Especially I'm more interested when you look at it in that light. Romana. Sorry, I was just about to say with that comment, like especially whenever the doctor snogs anyone, you're just kind of looking. Um, he looks like he's in his thirties, but technically he's nine hundred, she's nineteen. Okay, that's creepy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Any drama where a vampire has a human girlfriend, that's the case. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I hate Twilight. Was, and all that. It's six, the same there. Buffy was sixteen, wasn't she, when uh, Angel first met her? Oh. He's now three or four hundred. Well, I mean, as, as, as soon as you start to count your age in centuries, it really doesn't make that much difference, difference because technically you could be snogging someone who's 85 and you're still older than them by several hundred years. So to be honest, once you're 800 or so years old, a difference of 80 years <laughs> doesn't really make that much difference. Right. And I'm reminded of Gilda's line, once 900 yeah. years old you age, not as good you look. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a darn time lord. 
I mean, the, the the plus side to to the end of of McCoy's era is that it, it did. I think it started putting it in the direction of being there's a, a deeper part to the Doctor's character rather than oh he's just this guy who travels around in a police box, um, which helped launch the the novelizations and 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 the the novels that came afterwards that basically kind of kept. The, the show alive in, in the fans' eyes um, and, and kept there being material out there, which I think helped and went a long way to bringing it back now. We also get to see a lot of the the dark side of Time Lords in that series or season as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you notice a couple of episodes there where you get the see some of the dirty laundry of the Time Lords that, you know, you normally wouldn't see. Right. Okay. But I guess I still wonder, oh, you know, because we've not really addressed the question that much about what initial impressions one had of yeah. Sylvester McCoy. I mean, are are there people out there who had strongly positive initial impressions of Sylvester McCoy? I thought he was okay. And that was about it. I mean, I'm talking really Time of the Ronnie. I'm talking right there at the beginning. Well, that was a terrible story. But you thought he, you thought that Sylvester McCoy nevertheless had potential. He, no. I looked at it that he did, and like I said, towards the last season, he really kicked in for no, me. No, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about last season because we were talking, talking about, about what what our initial impressions are yeah. of the incoming Doctor. Oh, I mean, oh my. I mean, oh dear. Especially, I mean, especially because of the way that Colin Baker actually got fired before this, it was a complete surprise to everybody in the world. So, is there anybody who uh, thought, "Wow, this is going to be better"? I guess when he the 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 last line he said in in in, in uh, Time in the Rani, I was like, uh, "He could be all right." Um, and I believe it was uh, he said, yeah, and, and I'm glad I got rid of these. But the, he said, "Time and tide melts the snowman." And Mel corrects and says, "Waits for a snowman." He goes, "Who's waiting? Let's go." And that was like that kind of saved it a little. And there were there were times in it where he they cut out the goofiness and he actually acted like the doctor. But for the most part, I was I was worried, you know. <laughs> It was like, who's this guy? He's playing the spoons, and he's, you know, bouncing around the place, and, you know, and, and the whole amnesia part didn't play well for me, you know. I mean, the Doctor has been strange after a regeneration, but this whole, you know, doubting himself, I didn't think it worked. I, I, I got rid of that I, multicolored coat. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think I liked him. But there were just a lot of aspects in in that that I'm like, ooh, they're not going to do that all the time, are they? Especially the the malaprops. It's like that was just it was mm-hmm. over the top. It was they loaded him with way too much personality to 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 really you know they just lumbered him with so much, and it, it took a while. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great first impression. I'm trying to remember now. Did we know at the time that? Colin Baker had actually been fired, or was I, it just a, a sort of surprise announcement? And now, in this week's Doctor Who, we now have you know, a new Doctor. Well, for for me in New Zealand, um, 
at the time that we finally got the Five Doctors screening, mm. um, they actually played along with that to celebrate whatever anniversary it was. They played uh, Silver Nemesis, and wow. they played um, uh, the the Sixth Doctor's Dalek story. Uh, Remembrance. Revelation. Revelation. Revelations. Oh, right. So um, that I mean, it kind of like you were saying, Darth. It's like at that point, it's like I was seeing glimpses of the future. I mean, I didn't know that they were all. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I knew that they were all marked men, but because I had no idea in which, you know, where these stories took place. Right. The order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, my my first impression from watching Time of the Rani was uh, is a little different because right. I had already saw um, Silver Nemesis. Wow. To me, I he, was I had it he wasn't as good as Peter Davison. He wasn't as good as Tom Baker in my eyes at the time. No, it was mm. having Ace, I think, that saved uh, the thing because the, <laughs> the partnership worked. <laughs> I liked Ace. I liked Ace too, yeah. We're jumping ahead of people. If you hadn't to my Ace. Otherwise, we're going to have a lot of fanboy. Um, yeah. If he hadn't had Ace, I think he would have been a lot more difficult to get into his stories. I think she, you know, it was more of a two-handed, you know, deal, wasn't it, with them, rather than the Doctor with a companion. It was almost, you know, a double act. Well, I think things changed with Dragonfire when they brought Ace on, Mm. and Bonnie Langford left, yeah. What are you talking about? Dragonfire is the most traditional Doctor Who story that... Uh, Sylvester McCoy ever made. It's it, better it, than it, Time it, and Ronnie. I it, it feels like that. something that could have been plucked from like season no, fifteen I'm or sixteen. The, I think we're talking about the chemistry. Well, at least I am talking about right. the chemistry yeah. between the Doctor and the companion. I thought that was what saved mm. it—the the fact that they had that chemistry. Well, you clearly we're going to have to agree to disagree because my God, she's the worst <laughs> actor ever perpetrated on a Doctor Who audience. I mean, she's just. I do. I, 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 I'm going to agree, disagree on well, one point that she's a terrible actress. She's actually a very good actress. It was just a lousy character that, that was written for her to portray. She did it to the best of her ability. Unfortunately, it wasn't a well, well-written, well-rounded character. I mean, she had, she had no beginning. I mean, she just got thrust right into Doctor Who without an introduction story or anything. Right, you didn't have a story that worked her in. Like, no, um, I mean, how are you supposed to play a part yeah. when you've got basically no, you know, a yeah. megabyte modem? <laughs> Thank let's you, Charlie. Say, let's save those thoughts for another show down yeah. the line, and let's yes. move to number five. Yes, because uh, we're oh, already an hour into the show. Hour and, and a half. Uh, Two hour and a half. wizard show. <laughs> yes, it's almost like our wizard show. Okay, next audio clip. Quiet in the cheap seats. Feels different this time. What was it you always told me, Doctor? Brave heart? You must survive. Too many of your enemies would delight in your death, Doctor. Brave heart? You're needed. You mustn't die, Doctor. Too many of your enemies would delight in your death. You know that. You mustn't die, Doctor. You know that. Address? <laughs> no, my dear doctor, you must die. Die, doctor. 
Expecting someone else? I, I, I. That's three eyes in one breath makes you sound a rather egotistical young lady. What's happened? Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Okay, Death I'm gonna kick off the this. controversy. <laughs> well, yes, no. Okay, here I, I'm gonna have my bit before Darth gets in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because. A, my favorite regeneration of all, uh, because you, you just don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you know, he stumbles in there, you're like, okay, drink the bat's milk. doesn't happen. And, and then you go, oh, it feels different this time. I, I just love the whole sequence. And a shiver went down my spine when he just sits right up and utters those words. And from then on, I was uh, a fan of the Sixth Doctor. That that was my moment right there, boom. Um, and I've loved them ever since. I mean, the Twin Dilemma not the best story in the world, um, <laughs> and but I I like the fact that they went a completely different direction with the Doctor and and threw caution to the wind and made him very very unapproachable to begin with. Darth. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing was, he you didn't know, have a longer plan, didn't he? I might, he's claimed to, but who knows if he did. You know, I have a thinking that I actually agree with most of what you said there. Um, my initial reaction to the... Um, well, okay, let me step back a little bit. My initial reaction to the casting was one of great uncertainty because, of course, I knew by the time that I initially watched Arc of Infinity that the guy in there that shot the Doctor was going to become the next Doctor, and I really was like, what in the hell is going on? But when I actually saw uh, the end of Caves of Androzani and even into Twin Dilemma, I was like, wow, I really quite enjoy this. And you're absolutely right to say that it's, it's one of the most effective regeneration sequences in the whole of the program because he actually sits up and says something. It's very much like um, the, the end of Parting of the Waves. You get an actual sample of that doctor before you get his first episode. And that's very clever and it's very effective. The problem I have with the Sixth Doctor comes much later. It comes, um, you know, Attack of the Cybermen, which is his first full story. Terrible story. And, and we could talk about how bad his actual lot is in getting stories. Terrible. But initial impressions, certainly in Caves of Androzani, I'm paying attention. Um, certainly in Twin Dilemma, I think that his acting is the most interesting thing about the entire deal. So I, I'm still quite involved with Colin Baker at that point. Um, it's only later that he turns so horribly wrong. Um, but but the idea of the, the Sixth Doctor and the acting, nothing nothing horrible to begin with, at least. Cool. Yeah, I was waiting for it. I was like, hey! <laughs> I was bracing for uh, impact over here. Paul mm -hmm. Baker is good. He just got he just got dealt a really bad hand of cards and just didn't get good stories that really would 
take off his ability because he's fantastic in big finish, and I enjoy listening to him in big finish. So you don't have yeah, to but I, the coach as well in big true, finish. True, <laughs> true. And I would rush to point out. I mean, you know, big finish. It is twenty years later. So whether he could have actually been that good of an actor with scripts from Big Finish in 1984. I think that's a bit of a stretch. I mean, there are times where I watch his televised performance and I think, oh my God, he just, he blew that line, totally blew it. Uh, and I don't get that impression with some other doctors. Like Tom Baker, the, the number of times in which he really screws up a line are, are far and few, or few and far between. And most of them happen very late in his run. Um, his first few seasons, try to find me a moment at which the doctor is, or Tom Baker has made a misstep. And, and you'll be spending a lot of time in front of the videotape machine. But uh, Colin Baker, yeah, he makes some big mistakes. Not initially. Initially, again, he's, he gives a very good first impression. Mind you, I haven't actually, saying that, I haven't actually watched a, a full story with the Sixth Doctor yet. Oh, well, I there you go. Comment, but on him. I've seen little bits from Confidentials. That's it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen anything, so I can't really comment, but, you know. Revelation. I'd throw my two heads. <laughs> Revelation is a good story to watch. Yeah. Mm. I just kind of wish One they would have changed him towards the end and got him out of the costume, and maybe it seemed to be he was going into a darker, he was selling himself down as compared to him starting out. But, you know, I just was never crazy about Colin Baker. He, you know, if anything, well, of course, I, I, uh, I, I thought it was worse, then, but that was me. Yeah, the other thing is, of course, the time in that season, the 13-part trial of Time Lord, um, there were a load of um, scripts, oh, I think, the big Finnish people that talked about them, so... But, that drag. I mean, we are talking about initial things, and I, I, I thought um, it looked great, and uh, it was this sort of a thing, really. I'd have propelled him onto the pavement with a punt up the posterior. <laughs> As Jago would say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to bring up something that's in the chat now. I mean, I know we're trying to jump forward. It's like people are saying, oh, don't watch Time Lash. Oh, no, do, wa watch Time do watch Time Lash. Time Lash yeah. is brilliant. It's a brilliant it story. Have H. G. Wells did it too. Yeah, H. G. yeah. Wells. it's a brilliant yeah. story let down by. I love H.G. Wells, so I'll watch it. Yeah, Timeless is a brilliant story let down by a, excuse my French, but a crap set. Oh, God, yes. Looked awful. The twinkling crystals. But, okay. Um, those those beekeepers. Uh, it, it features, uh, uh, oh, what's his name now? It's she oh, well. Um, Brian Blessed. Uh, the guy from Lake Seven. The guy yeah. from Lake Seven. Yeah. Paul Darrow? Oh, it features Paul Darrow in a way... Uh, over our arch uh, bad guy advancing brilliant. the gay agenda before there was even a gay agenda <laughs> the, you know they the, have to be the Borad is, is, is wonderful um, and actually very well realized makeup uh, it's just let down by the, the, the time lash oh, it's the set dressing um, you again, Ian? Oh, but you're cool. back Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Yep. Okay. Um, but yeah, do watch the time last and just ignore the fact that it's it's really lousy set. Well, his know. character was going to go more over the top, Ian, and um, John Nathan Turner had to calm him down. 
because he was mm. going to Shakespeare. <laughs> he said we didn't I'm want that. Fixing. Paul, Paul Darrow is, is del- delightful. Uh, a comment was mentioned about when um, Colin Baker was on in Ark of Infinity, and you know he was under the impression it was the the uh, you know that it was his show. In the same regard, um, Paul Darrow is under the impression it's the Paul Darrow show. Mm. But yeah, brilliant. Um, well, I'm very forgiving of Doctor Who. I really don't... I don't dislike a single story I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot now, so I, you know, I'm not one of those people who go, oh, they're horrible, you know, mm. even if it is bad. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm probably... Yeah, so... Well, I weren't like the fans that say get rid of it. I wasn't them. I still enjoy watching yeah. Doctor Who. Yeah. I wasn't that fanatical like some fans were back in... And I was during that time when they were that way, and you know. Yeah. I mean, as I said, when you know, back when I was um, watching Doctor, I was like, you know, for the um, Colin Baker stuff, I would have been like, still in single figure age. So you know, obviously, <laughs> I was looking at it through the eyes of a child. But you know, I, you know, over about the past fifteen years, I've gone back and you know, I've watched some of the. Um, the Colin Baker ones, and yes, in some ways they don't necessarily hold up very well, but in others I still go back and go, well, I can see why I enjoyed it at the time. Because, you know, I can see underneath it some of the good story ideas. And, you know, it's funny, I see some of the things, and oddly I feel less let down by the core story than I do by some modern stories, not just in Doctor Who, but in anything. There's so many things very modern stuff on TV, I go, well, that was a wasted opportunity, and even, say, going back and watching, you know, some of the potentially more shoddy of Doctor Who ones, I still go, well, it could have been done better, but I can still uh, see how it was good. And I think, as well, uh, some people who who then afterwards have seen, say, gone back and seen even the first Doctor, and seen his cantankerous old man that he was, they can they can see that because they're perhaps thinking that that you know the sixth doctor is 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 so different to the doctors they think they knew, but when you when you think he's he's drawn quite a lot from the first doctor. Yeah, I've um, yeah, I've seen the first about six or seven episodes because I only ever got about part way through the box set, but you know, in the first episode he was a real grumpy so-and-so and not very nice at all. It's yeah. only over the subsequent stories that he mellows out. So, you know, yeah, anyone who goes, oh, I don't like this new doctor, he seems like a you know, like a really crotchety old so-and-so. It's like, yeah, he's just channeling his original self. Yeah. It's only after he, he drops Susan off that he starts to chill out, really. <laughs> yeah, because he was all kind of like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Romans was excellent when William Harnett oh, did that. That was he great. He, like, piled something in that episode, <laughs> seriously. He's, right. like, running around like high on the galloping. Yeah. I suppose we ought to move down the line, because we're... Uh, yeah, we're... Uh, two hours. Yes. Okay, I don't okay. actually have a sound clip for this. Darth! Here we go. Do you have a sound clip for this? Oh, no. Oh dear. We've wandered into the wrong corridor. We must be close to the main TARDIS drive now. Jamie! Jamie! You go back! No, I have to stay with you, Doctor. No nonsense! Be sensible! Go back! When I say run, run! Don't you understand? The regeneration is failing.
Yeah, and just to, for those people who are not aware, that is not him changing from the fifth into the sixth. <laughs> That's from him coming into being. Yeah. Um, I'm going to open because it's my mic and I'll do as I please. <laughs> um, I didn't actually manage to get a clip from, from the regeneration sequence, um, which was the, probably the first one I was ever really aware of uh, um, at the time that you know they came out. I mean, I remember seeing um, the previous one, but this one was the first one I was really, really aware of. Oh, the Doctor's going to change. Um, and unfortunately, I knew ahead of time, and I'm like, oh, he's changing into that wet guy from uh, Old Creatures Great and Small. Terrific, you know. Um, and like Darth said about uh, 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 Colin Baker's first appearance he, he sat up and said something in the end of Legopolis the doctor sat up and said nothing <laughs> it's like okay that's it that's all we get <laughs> um, but he looks so cute at the time a great regeneration a great regeneration sequence um I wish they would redo, redo the effects, but, uh, you know, because it looks a little aged now. Um, but it's been prepared for me. But the, uh, in, in, in a pre-production meeting, God, that sounds so professional, um, Darth found that clip, and I immediately said yes, because that's the point at which I'm like, yeah, that's that's the Doctor. That's him. That's him. And... Also, one other point in Castrovalva where he he puts his glasses on and he starts um, making some notations. Right then, it's like, oh yeah, that's him. That's that that's the doctor. Um, that that's the guy. Squeaky voice. And the squeaky voice is like, before I forget, I must do it all. <laughs> yeah. But oh. but I I mean I thought that was just brilliant, you know. Yeah. Next. I heard it. I heart him. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fifth doctor. I really do. Well, I think it wasn't so much my. Um, I, di- I know you said you thought it was a good uh, way it was done, but I didn't like this watcher idea of a, uh, you know, ho- the hovering person watching. So, I must admit, I was distracted almost from my first impressions of the doctor because I was, you know, chundering to myself about why they had to have this. Uh, this um, other ghost-like apparition and type figure in the mix, as it were. So, but I was more concentrated on that. But um, yeah, no, I, I liked. I know, of course, he, we were all surprised because at, at the time was he 29, Peter Davidson, when he took the part. Nine. Yeah, very young. Yeah, very hot. Well, actually, he accepted at 28, but he did the role when he was when he turned 29. So. Yeah. Darth. Well, I mean, I mean, in my first stab at regeneration. Down low. We're, we're we're losing you. You keep going. You keep fading uh, in and really? out. Yeah. No, that's because I tried to turn things down because they were ah. messed up. Anyway, um, no, this is this is my first stab at uh, regeneration, really, um, and I love the idea. Because uh, I had Doctor was not the first British show that I had ever seen as a kid. Instead, one of the earlier one of the ones that predated Doctor Who for me was All Creatures Great and Small. So I knew who Peter Davison was. I liked who Peter Davison was, 
And I didn't see anything wrong at all with him taking over from Tom Baker. Um, I, I remember thinking, though, at the time that I would have preferred for it to have been, um, oh, hell, who's the guy who plays Siegfried? And, Robert Hardy? Yeah, that I would have actually preferred for it to be Robert Hardy because he seemed to me to be very doctorish. Um, but I was still quite happy that somebody from that show, whose first name was not Timothy, uh, was going to be involved in Doctor Who. So I was I was ecstatic, and I was sold on the idea um, from the get-go. Now, I have to say that once I saw – I hate Castor Volva. Um, nothing terribly wrong with the actual performance of Peter Davison. In fact, it's one of his better performances. But, oh, my God, it's just, it's just a horrible, horrible plot. Um, very overrated, I think, in fans' minds, in the same way that Legopolis is hugely overrated. Um, it's overrated but, in Chris. Christopher H. Bidemead's mind, too. <laughs> well, and therein lies the tale, yes. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of the the realization of the Doctor, um, I, I I think he makes an immediate impression from Castor Valva. But, you know, it's a real, it is a real problem in Legopolis that all you have is just him sitting up. I mean, I hate that. It's just terrible. Yeah. Um, I'd much prefer it to be something like the the second Doctor's regeneration, where you you don't see who the hell it's going to be, right. it's much more enjoyable to me. But um, you know, Fifth Doctor is fine. Yep. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, again, thank you for finding that 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 sound clip because that's that was the bit that kind of did it for me. You know. Yeah, and that's, that's really. Like, I mean, that's just Jamie. No. Right, and that's you know that's from very early on. But those are about his first words. There's one other, there's a section before that I think where he's remembering more the fourth Doctor and the third Doctor. Hmm. Um, but that's about because he you know he doesn't really talk at all. I don't think outside the TARDIS until they get him inside, and then um, he launches into this identity crisis. Um. But that, that, that's a very clever way of doing regeneration, I think. I mean, I don't think it works so well with what they did with the, the Sixth Doctor. But for the Fifth Doctor, this idea that you you can't sort your memories out from one another, it's very interesting. But it what would you do if you were with me? John Pertwee and carried that hmm. over with Tom Baker and Peter Davison with the Doctor not, you know, being all together until later on. I love that about regeneration, how the doctor's kind of a bit nutty and zipping about on a wheelchair and unraveling his stuff like a madman. It's just like... What I love about Robot, though, is that he's all go from the beginning. And I, right. I love that. I mean, it's very I haven't nice. seen Robot yet, so I can't really comment. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but uh, I like how in this he's, he's kind of like all kind of, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And also he gets the advantage, Peter Davison, since this and Dorf brought that up on one of my shows that it was shot, and I didn't know it was shot out of sequence. I didn't know mm. Ford, Ford Doomsday was the first one, but um, I think he can feel he got settled into the role of the Doctor since that's not being his first story. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that they did that because it, it, it gave him that opportunity to actually be the character and then you know, work kind of backwards from there. Yeah, well, I mean, that's certainly the theory, but in in practice, it doesn't make a whole lot of difference because 
he's not really the doctor until I don't think really at any point in this story, except maybe maybe at the very very end, you could say that as he's you know getting back into the TARDIS, um, that at that point he might be the real doctor, but right. most of the time he's just playing confused, and right. I don't see any advantage to making that filmed out of order. Right. Uh, I mean, there were moments in it, like where when he's in the um, when he's in the zero room when right. he. He gets that chance to relax, and 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 you can actually they can hear his voice and everything. And at that point, he sounds kind of even, and you know, it's like, oh, uh, he's going to be fine, you know. Right. But uh, again, anybody anybody else who hasn't had a chance to speak any further thoughts before we move on, because uh, time is marching on. Well, I am going to go, people. I thank you for a great um, show. I got to get dinner and got to go to work, unfortunately, tonight. So, um, as one of the villains during the Peter Davison era would say, farewell, farewell <laughs> forever. <laughs> Talk to all of you next time. Bye, guys. Yep. Thanks for stopping by. Bye. Okay. And my favorite master line from um, the Five Doctors when the master goes, "A cosmos without the Doctor scarcely bears thinking about." Thinking about. <laughs> Oh, he has a man crush. Oh, he does. They so do. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned for oh, yeah, the Slash Show. <laughs> nice segue there. Stay tuned for our Slash Show. We will be mentioning this and other things, such as uh, Adric tied up in the Master's Web. My web! Oh, hell yeah. I'll fight you. <laughs> anyway, we digress. And then, of course, How the, granddaddy, unusual. the granddaddy's a Slash Kirkenstock, of course. Yeah. So stay tuned to this channel for <laughs> Romanitu's slash show. Oh, it's very interesting. Shifting back in time. Yes. Now, just a minute. Look, Brigadier, look. I think it's starting. Well, here we go again. the medical officer. Lieutenant Sullivan, emergency. Come to the lab at once, please. What's he talking about? Something that happened when we first met. I tell you, Brigadier, there's nothing to worry about. The protosaurus is large and placid. This the patient, sir? And stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Again, another one of the, those ones where the doctor regenerates. Cue the credits. And this, of course, is the, the recap, um, followed on by the rest of the episode, and then yeah. in- introducing Harry Sullivan. But, um, I mean, this is one of those ones that I, I really kind of have to probe my memory for, because it was always there, you know, but uh, as as a child, it's it's difficult to kind of look at it as a fan again, because it's been observed so many times in reruns and on DVD, etc., um, this was another one, Ian, where they had an outside help, didn't they? They had the... Uh, Choji. The, the Choji Kompo, whatever he's called. Kempo Rinpoche. Yeah. Who just God, regenerated himself. That makes it just quite clear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he just regenerated himself, and he he comes in to just sort of nudge yeah, uh, the regeneration give it a, along. A little push, and it'll be on its way. Not again. <laughs> Yes, so I mean, it was manic. 
the beginning. It was you know he gets up and he's doing all that running and chopping yeah. blocks and 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 where's the mouse when it spins and uh, it's it's this is the one where he's, he's skipping with Harry in the skipping rope. Yes, skip, yeah, skipping rope. Running on the spot. I love yeah. that. It's adorable. <laughs> but I mean, from a standpoint of going from the very professor-like and very you know. Um, Perm and proper Pertwee to to this this guy who's just grinning this huge mop of curls um, and jumping doing jumping jacks and you know and all sorts it's, it was it was it was weird it was you know <laughs> it was a bit it, it is a bit of a shock because I mean he's from the get go he's up and running and, and doing all of this stuff and. Uh, being sneaky too, they're like, oh, you can't go off, and and he, he sneaks the um, TARDIS key out of his shoe and and all that kind of stuff, and it's just, yeah, it's it's very very manic, but I I think the 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 first line that does it for me with with him is uh, that I can always remember is him and the brigadier sitting in Bessie. And he goes, yes, Doctor, this, this facility is impenetrable. He's like, I don't like that word. He's like, what's wrong with impenetrable? That sounds a lot, a lot like unthinkable. What's wrong with that? <laughs> Every hair of the Titanic? Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> <laughs> and, and right then, it was kind of like the Doctor moment. And you know, you're like, oh, that's fine. He's good. Harry Sullivan is an imbecile. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyone else? I really want to watch this one. I just haven't gotten around. Yes. <laughs> Robot, yeah. Robot Goes Down is one of my favorite Baker episodes. Yes. Well, the, I think, the, uh, go the on. Weird thing about. Oh, sorry, ahead. Charlie. Well, I think we're having about, some laggage. Uh, the weird thing about um, Robot is that it's you know it was it's made by the um, previous. Uh, uh, crew, the third Doctor crew, Barry Letts and, and so forth. So, so by watching it, does it, in hindsight, does it feel like a fourth Doctor story? It feels like a third Doctor story. Yeah. And then, and then after that, you know, we get Ark in Space, and then it, so you know, with the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, that you know, that to me, it sort of feels like you know, this, you know, the beginning of the the, the Tom Baker era. Yeah, uh, and I think one of the things that I had was not so much. Uh, I had that slightly. Uh, worried uh, feeling with the new Doctor but I was actually more missing the third Doctor because although uh, I mean uh, and we haven't yet talked about the second Doctor who up till David Tennant was my favourite but I I liked the third Doctor as well I didn't like the fact that we weren't getting off world as much but of course we just had Planet of the Spiders so uh, I was thinking by me he's just about you know having real adventures oh no you know (laughs) they've uh, zapped the guy so I was more having, um, you know, thoughts about the the doctor I was losing rather than thoughts about what's this new doctor going to be like. Hmm. And there was silence in the room. Yeah. I, I have a weird relationship with Robot in that um, I didn't really understand what the first ten seconds of the story were about. That is, the actual moment of regeneration... Uh, it took me a long time to figure that out. It took me at least two years and many trips up and down the time, the time life syndicated package loop um, to gather that that was actually a different person. See, 
the, the, the profile of Tom Baker and John Pertwee aren't really all that much different. They both have big noses. They both, at this period at least, have uh, you know really big bouffant hair. And so I kind of thought, not knowing what regeneration was at all, that it was just John Pertwee, or it was just Tom Baker de-aging. That there, he had been in some adventure before, which I hadn't seen, in which he had gotten old, and then at the beginning of this episode, he's getting new, or getting younger again, and that's messed right. his mind up. And so all the talk about, you know, what is he going to wear and all that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I figured he's just sort of crazy a little bit. He's just a little bit unstable. Um, and it took me a good long while to figure out that was actually transiting from one actor to another. Um, so I, I don't know. It was my, my first reaction to this thing is not really about, you know, am I going to like this actor or not? Because it wasn't the first doctor who I'd seen. I'd actually started at, um, Ark in space and then eventually came back to robot, whatever that would be six months later in the rotation. And, I've always really liked this episode, even though I didn't fully understand what was going on with it. Um, but it, you know, it has nothing to do with my actual first impression of Tom Baker. Yeah, I mean, this has always been a concern. I mean, uh, as a long-time watcher, I've always thought, why are they so worried about, you know, whether the fans will go along with this? I mean, surely all the fans by now know this, but of course. Uh, there are always new people coming, thank goodness, to Doctor Who, and there will always be people who, for them, it's their first thing. As, as Samantha said, um, Lana said, the, uh, she's got this to look forward to or not um, when uh, David Tennant uh, hands over the role. So, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that, Darth. Yeah. I mean, I will say that in retrospect, which is the only kind of perspective I can have about Robot, um, that it's probably my favorite actual, not not regeneration, but it's my favorite first doc. Well, is it the first? Mm, yeah, I guess yeah. it is. It's it's the fir- favorite first story, story of a doctor. Of a doctor. Yeah, uh, and that and that largely is probably just because Power of the Daleks doesn't exist anymore, so there's no opportunity to fairly judge that. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, it's followed in my mind very quickly by. The Christmas Invasion. But the thing about David Tennant's little changeover that's so weird is that it's actually two stories. It's actually that little children in need thing plus the Christmas Invasion. So it's it's not as clean as saying there's one episode because really there's one episode and a little bit of another one. Um, so Robots, you know, it hits the ground running. It really introduces Tom Baker very well, I think. It doesn't lie like Twin Dilemma does about what the character is going to be like. I mean, you would have to say that even though it is done by Barry Letts and Terrence Dix, that really it doesn't misrepresent in any way, shape, or form what the characterization of the fourth Doctor is. He's pretty much like that, um, certainly throughout the rest of that season. So, I mean, it, it, it's just good on so many different levels. The, the one thing that people apparently don't like about it is its plot and maybe the, the actual robot that's involved here. But I don't really mind that. I mean, it's, that's not 
at least now when I look at it, that's not what it's there to do. It's there to introduce this this new doctor, and I think it does it effectively, and I think it does it honestly. Yeah. And if, yeah. Cool. Anyone else? I'll just say that. Um, yeah. Uh, so, my first doctor was was Tom Baker. So, and you know when I watched uh, Doctor Who, I watched on TV, KTCA. Um, and you know, and like that was that was the only channel that we, we were allowed to watch the channel too. So, you know, and I was watching Sesame Street at the time. So, so for me, Tom Baker was like like a live action version of Big Bird in a way, the way with his curly hair and such. So, I'll leave it at that. I'm, I, yeah, I, I, I'm I mean, there were some people. I mean, as I say, I was focusing more on the one that was departing rather than the one that was arriving. You know, because sometimes you, you, you do feel invested in one. Uh, and um, although now people, when they look back at um, uh, the third Doctor, uh, not the fourth, they, they think, you know, James Bond, an action man, and even though he's the oldest one. Uh, and some people thought he was perhaps, you know, almost... Um, you know, m- more a genius scientist than a, than a, an alien being, but I w- that's where my thoughts were. I wasn't so much thinking. And then when when Ian said, you know, he did this, uh, you know, running on the spot with Harry and that, uh, I'm thinking, oh dear, because he had a strong companion. He had Sarah Jane in there uh, right at the start for him. Right. Well, I think we shall move on. Yep. Certainly. Unfortunately, I don't have any more sound clips. Um, so, we will cast our minds back to the change between... Uh, quite quite a stunning change for the show. Um, the it's fact that we... change appearance and begin your exile. Yes. Um, no! No! Thank you. <laughs> there's There's the sound clip. And, and of course, we fade out in black and white. And when the show comes back, it's in color. Um, it's not again. It's not something that we actually very, you know, we we see the start of the regeneration, um, which is enforced by um, uh, by Gallifrey on, you know, and the Time Lords on the Doctor, and um, they choose what his appearance is going to be, and we don't see that until the show comes back, and uh, uh, the Third Doctor emerges from the TARDIS and collapses. I don't really have much much to say on these ones because all of mine have been really kind of looking back and it's very difficult to make a judgment when you, you know, well, on those ones. Welcome to my right. world, I say. <laughs> yeah, well, this was one where I had quite a lot of thought because, of course, uh, John Pertwee was uh, very well known, so this was in the UK, and he was known as a comedian. And, of course, uh, think, think Sylvester McCoy. I mean, he was known as a comedian in this country not of the same stature I might admit uh, I mean uh, because of course um, Pertwee had been on the you know the Navy Lark and uh, one or two radio shows so he was he was well known and um, he was having this crazy behaviour in the hospital wasn't he with the holding you know he wanted his shoes all the time of course we didn't realise that was where his TARDIS key was and then there was the sort of uh, a bit of chasing around in wheelchairs and so on and so forth as he uh, he gets into the this cape that he finds in the the, the uh, well, I suppose you call them doctors they'd be uh, specialists wouldn't they the you know the the misters of the uh, hospital so 
uh, I was a little bit concerned that they'd picked, to my mind, a comedian. But um, I thought he very fairly quickly got into the role. Um, I think he became one of my, uh, you know, most liked doctors. Fairly quickly. So that's what we're talking about, first impressions. <laughs> I guess my question is, is anybody else going to talk about about this <laughs> besides Dave? <laughs> Sorry. Well, well uh, the that we do short ones now. Well, we're now two and a quarter hours. I, I mean, I, certainly I can't speak at it in terms of what was my first impression. Well, you know, can I? Wait a minute. Come on. No, I guess, I mean, not in the same sense of ones that came after, because obviously by this point I well knew what regeneration was. I, I, I actually came to the third doctor very late after, after the seventh doctor. So very odd way of viewing the program. Um, but nevertheless, I, I did start with the third doctor with Spearhead from Space. Um, and it was great. Ooh. I mean, it's, it's an effective, mysterious way to, it, it felt like a pilot and I'm not sure, I gotta think, no, that's not true. Um, it still felt like a reboot in the same way that certainly Rose feels like a reboot. Because um, you're starting from a point where everything's quite neatly explained. And of course, this is the in Spearhead from Space, this is where you first get the idea of the Doctor having two hearts. And <coughs> you get a little bit more information about the uh, Doctor's TARDIS and that you know the key apparently works only for him. So that's later and earlier disputed. Um, so yeah. you get you get a, a number of different facts here that you haven't had before, but I mean, to me, one of the the great things here is the introduction of unit. I mean, really, the full scale. This is these guys are going to be around for a long time. Here we are. Um, I know that this is the first unit story, uh, aside from robot and aside from android invasion, and yeah. de- you know, the, aside from Fort Doctor stuff. Um, this is the first proper introduction to unit that I had seen, and it's very yeah. different. Very yeah. had a real Quatermass feel about it. This story, I thought, right, and you know, Liz Shaw is immediately interesting. I think in Spearhead from Space. So, you know, in terms of introducing not just a Doctor but a Doctor's era, I think this is a very effective and attractive package that's only let down by, you know, the, the crappiness of the monster in Episode Four, which you can say for just about any episode of Doctor Who. Um, mm. But. Um, you know, another great thing that's about this episode is it's on film, which is really unusual for a, a, a Doctor Who episode. So the uh, the first impression I think that you get of John Pertwee, if you're watching the John Pertwee era in order, had to have been one of thinking, well, this is pretty cool. This will be all right. You know, um, and of course, it's the first, first color episode of Doctor Who. So you have to be thinking... I think contemporaneously, if you're watching this thing, everything is probably 1970. I think you have to be thinking everything's going to be probably okay with this show. Mm. So I, I think it was a, fl- a flying start, really. It was. Um, hmm. I mean, when you think of some of the things that um, some of the uh, transitions that we've had to do, uh, are you still there? Are you, are you, I haven't lost you, have we? 
No, it's uh, it's just there's okay. uh, better people to handle this this end yeah. because, uh, as, as I said, it's like in 1970 I was still two two years off being born. Um, granted, New Zealand it took a long time to get these things, but you know, um, my memories of it aren't are, are from looking back, and it and it's not a an easy place to to gain any kind of perspective I, from. I mean, I kind of I've been I, doing that all show. Right. <laughs> I guess my 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 first memories of Doctor Who were with Pertwee but and so in a way he was the Doctor to me all along so it's really difficult to kind of you know then look back and go what was my first impressions because he was to me he was always there it wasn't until later that I realized that there was you know these two guys beforehand yeah so that's why I've kind of dumped it in your lap <laughs> Well, as we say, we've got. Uh, I know it's da- uh, Liz Shaw was uh, one, if not Darth's uh, favourite companion. We've got Unit, uh, you know, and uh, so we've got a lot, a, a lot of things. That, that ne- the idea of that nesting consciousness and so on. So, uh, and it was it was science fiction. I mean, uh, Spearhead from Space was science fiction. Uh, I know there's always this dispute about whether Doctor Who should be classed as science fiction or not and it's, that's always what I want it to be right but I gather so, uh, you know there was actually a lot of public press over this right I mean this was this was a period when Doctor was still reasonably um, successful even if war games had made the ratings go down to you know the five million level it was still something that was being reported pretty heavily in the press when you had a new doctor coming in. So I, I, I gather, in fact, for the original British audience, it would have been, as you said, sort of a problem understanding what John Pertwee was going to do with the role since he was more famous for comedy stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. We were getting mixed messages in a way. They were sort of the person who'd been picked, but yet the, the, the obviously the people behind the scenes had been influenced by Quatermass and that sort of and they were trying to, you know, spearhead from space. I mean, you, you couldn't have a more science fictiony title than that for a Doctor Who, really. You know, mm. not not Rose's mum or something like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, and, and, and there was it was in colour, as you said. Right, and there was actually a relatively long gap between uh, the end of season six and the beginning of season seven, right? So there was a lot of time for the decision of John Pertwee to fester in the mind. British public, right? Yeah, I can't remember how. Uh, think, uh, I can't remember much about that because, of course, mm. in, in those days, it wasn't in every particular magazine. Basically, information about Doctor Who was in the Radio Times. Now, the Radio mm. Times was selling like 20 million copies uh, because it was sort of uh, the place to get your, you know, uh, media news. Right. Uh, there weren't you know, a plethora of magazines all over the place. It was basically that one, and then the TV Times. I mean, we, we're only just coming out of the era of what was called The Listener, which was uh, the original radio uh, uh, booklet, as it were. I mean, to me, 1970, uh, show me age 1970 was the modern age. I mean, we're in the 70s, blooming it, you know. 
it was modern stuff to me. Uh, the 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 60s were all the Beatles and the young generation. Now mm. we're into the age of science and things like that. Uh, so um, I thought it was great. But I think they probably, um, there were mixed messages. Uh, I, I think the way Doctor Who was, was going was perhaps... Um, not the best route um, because of course then they were also influenced by I, I suppose they must have been influenced by the James Bond film and and so on I mean he was really an action man uh, the third doctor and of course the, there was this budget constraint and I assume it was a budget constraint that they said he'd been confined to earth but um, th that that led actually to them having to be quite imaginative. Again, we're talking about immediate things, but I mean, uh, you know, um, some of the stories they did, uh, Inferno and things, uh, I thought were really good stories. We should perhaps move on, Ian, because of the time, yeah. but unless yeah. anybody else wants to jump in. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, and I will jump, of course, to the, what I'm assuming a lot of people will have... Uh, gone back and seen is the first Doctor and um, I'm going to be really really bad here and say I don't like the first Doctor at all because uh, and for really stupid second reasons doctor, second Doctor oh second, second Doctor what am I I'm skipping again second Doctor I like I've actually dressed up as him a couple of times um, you see I'm in too much of a hurry to finish the show I've got lawns to mow <laughs> I have a honeydew list. <laughs> He's one of my yeah. favourites. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, uh, Darth said the viewing figures of the war games uh, had gone down. Maybe they had. But I, uh, that's one of my favourite stories. But, uh, oh, my goody aunt. Yeah. And of course. Still not the two, DVD here, Sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason why, of course. The, uh, they had, you know, he had Jamie virtually all the way through. I mean, he joined him in Highlander, I think it was. So uh, there yeah. was a lot of stability with the, with that grouping. And they did it for three years, of course. But uh, I think he, apart from the strange hat he wore very early on uh, and some worries about the costume, um, I thought I took to him quite quickly. Uh, I mean, uh, in hindsight, looking back on him, uh, it... I, I see a lot of parallels between him and uh, and Peter Davidson's Doctor as far as their kind of, um, I mean he he was a little more goofy and 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 off the wall no. than Davidson's Doctor, but I I I I always look at them as being almost bookends for each other that they're very much on the well, same level. Well, Davidson has always said that the second Doctor, Patrick Chatton, was his Doctor. That's the Doctor mm. he watched when he was growing up. So right. naturally, I'm guessing that's where he decided to take the role and take mm. it most from that. But I, I mean, look, I mean, it's hard, hard saying, you know, looking back at these things and what the decisions were and everything. But I think going for a, a much younger actor really kind of set in stone the fact that the Doctor could become. Any guy, you know, he could. I mean, they hadn't really kind of looked at Time Lords or anything like that at the time, but you know, the fact that he became much, much younger, um, it was, it, I think, it was a, a smart move on the production company's side. I mean, they could have gone for another guy who looked around about the same age and 
I tried continuing on that way, but they they just went all out, and I I think it it worked really well. Or they could have just taken off Hartnell's wig if they wanted the doctor to look about the same age as Patrick Troughton. Mm. Yeah, uh, perhaps I should read that in the text just for the people, because we haven't got a clip, of course. So right. at the conclusion of the tenth planet, the first doctor collapses from apparent old age and exhaustion and having comment, uh, commented earlier that his body was wearing a bit thin. Then, before the eyes of his companions, Ben and Polly, uh, and the viewing audience, his features shift into that of the second Doctor, played by Patrick Troughton. And this, of course, Ben and Polly were in the sing- swinging 60s at the time. <laughs> Very swinging. <laughs> yeah. Annika Rice, of course, playing Polly. Annika Wills. Annika Wills, thank you. Right, and he can yeah. rise. And Michael you know Cray playing Ben. Michael Cray. That Ooh, sounds really? right. Yeah. I love Ben as well. Ben was <laughs> Sadly, we don't see much of them. Most of their stuff is gone. Yeah. Well, um, my first, um, I'll say, my introduction to, to uh, Troughton was, was in the, uh, the multi-doctor stories. Three doctors, five doctors. Doctors. Ah, yes. And um, and, and then and then, what? Uh, before I got into you know watching the Trouton stuff, starting with Tube of the Siren because that's the first complete story of his. I, I uh, you know I knew him from uh, like like the Hammer horror movies he he was in like Scars of Dracula and Venom of the Opera and various other roles. He, he so I had the Omen as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, the Omen. Yeah. So like so like like Eccleston. I had sort of, he was the only other doctor that I had some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, I, I've seen him before, some sort of experience with him. And that's, of course, one of the reasons why, again, we're talking first impressions, but a lot of people were very pleased with uh, him because he, he was willing to come back for those stories. I mean, they really add to the whole um, uh, Doctor Who mythos. I mean, I know there's hey, some people that don't like him story ones. I mean, Russell T. Davis doesn't seem to be a person who, who likes multi-doctor stories. He, he he was of the opinion that it was, you know, they were brought in to sort of uh, salvage the operation and uh, and get things going. But there's no doubt, something like even the two, well, the two doctors with the, the second and the sixth doctor uh, was really, I thought, a great story. Mm. Yeah, I, Bruce, I've got that on DVD. I enjoy that one. Yeah. Boosted by Serverland as well. <laughs> it's quite a heck of a commentary as well, because uh, there's so many people, they can't get them all around the mic at once, and they're constantly bowing in and out. Actually, it's a bit like a talk show episode. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Nearly as good as a... No, you should have said nearly as good as a talk show episode. <laughs> then you'd have got full marks. Nearly. <laughs> Okie dokie. Yeah, let's... Money. So, uh, moving right along, before this becomes a three-hour episode... <laughs> oh, it'll happen. <laughs> yes, yes. Dave. Uh, well, uh, we've got to. Uh, I mean, we, we've we've just talked about the second doctor. Of course, the first doctor. We start with him. I mean, so he is already an old man. So, in in a sense, uh, we don't. Ha- we, well, we don't even know he will be. Um, able to regenerate uh, right. and of course we should have said that it was renewal wasn't it I don't know whether we actually made that comment um, mm. so I don't know uh, when I first met him um, 
I was more interested, obviously, they did exactly the same as, and again, Russell T. Davis knows his craft in the, in the way where we, he started with Rose when he relaunched uh, the new series. And of course, you could argue that uh, Susan was the Rose of that first story. I mean, because uh, that's how it told uh, her relationship with the two teachers from school. Uh, and then the doctors brought into it. And as we've pointed out, like Sixth Doctor, he was quite cranky. But um, he was very soon, um, obviously, as soon as we got uh, to the story with the Daleks and we knew we were in for, uh, you know, a real ride and not a, a dusty BBC um, historical uh, learn-while-we-entertain-you type show, um, I think he fairly was fairly well established. And if anything, I suppose, he became less cranky and a little bit more humorous uh, as time went on. And of course it was fairly polished, wasn't it, the first meeting it had been, uh, they'd had about two goes at recording it. Yes, they did. I always uh, thought that um, Susan was more like, um, if if you had to compare it like with the Rose and the new series, I reckon that Ian and Barbara combined were more like Rose because they were le- they were meeting the doctor and were meeting the doctor through them, whereas Susan already knew the doctor. So yeah, that's the same. Yeah. Yeah. More uh, more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Susan did serve as 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 the midway point then. Um, Essentially. Between the two of them to to really explain. I mean, because when they brought the series back, um, they just used Rose as as the the way in. Um, I mean, bringing in a, a brand new show, you know, it, it entails a lot more. And I think they, they did very well having her kind of bridging that gap and bringing people in. And rather than having the doctor sit them down and go, oh, this is who I am and this is what I do and blah, 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 blah. They had Susan kind of like, oh, this is my grandfather. And, the, you know, and it, it enabled them to actually retain some of that mystery, which was kind of nice. The doctor wasn't going to give them the time of day. He wasn't going to answer them anything. Right. Going no, I'm not going to tell you nothing. I'm just yeah. going to take you away because yeah. I'm not going to let you go. And he's no, I can't that. allow you to go back. Yeah, and I think we ought to really bring this to an end. Although there may be one or two other people want to make a comment, but what I'm really ups- well not upset about, but uh, jumping to this coming uh, changeover, our handover whatever, some people are already judging the first doctor before we've even, you know, he's even had any, any screen time which to right. me is um, a terrible thing to to be I mean, let it's, the lad uh, do his stuff It's a terrible thing yes, but it's in a way I find it perfectly natural for the fan base to do that um, Especially the fan base, like you know, people like me, who this is our first, this is our first regeneration. Yeah, it's a bit scary, in all honesty. So, um, and, uh, and that's the other thing that's that's, that's understandable is that the Doctor Who now has um, a very new wing of of the fan base that that I think a lot of the old wing draw exception to, which they have no right to, because you know they have every right to be here as well. They have every right to to draw their conclusions and to be horrified at the fact that that, that uh, the doctor's going to regenerate again. Um, we, you know, yes, we were here first, but they're here now. You know, now it's yeah, their fair, show, fair 
and and you know, it is unfair to judge him. Um, before we say anything, well, I don't I, judge uh, them. I just don't. Right. I just feel as though they ought to give the lad a chance, but uh, well, I, mean, a lot I was of people just trying to bring our, our talk full circle, right. bringing back to Matt uh, as yeah. a way of trying to, you know, wrap Close up it the show. Yeah, I mean it's it's it, it's going to be an interesting time. Um, I'm uh, in a way I'm kind of looking forward to it, and and as somebody in here said before, I think it might have been Charlie is that I I when I found out that Matt Smith was taking over, I mean I had I guess I'd seen him in. Um, in Billy Piper's show, um, uh, oh, Secret yeah. Diary of Cold Ruby Girl. And smoke. Um, Ruby and I, smoke. Uh, no, Secret Diary of Cold Girl. I think he was in that as well. Oh right. Oh, that one. <laughs> Briefly, but I don't remember him. Um, and and so I have no intention of going out and watching anything because I'd rather see what he does of it rather than watching something that he's done before and going, oh, I wonder if he's going to use that. Oh, that's kind of doctorish. No, I, it's like. I want my first impression to be th- just that, uh, him as the doctor, and, and say, okay, is that the doctor, rather than trying to draw any conclusions out of his previous work, or how he looks in pictures, or how old he is, because really, it's got nothing to do with it. Um, it's always a matter of, of, of the, the impression the actor makes on, on, the, on, you know, on his first get-go. I mean, my first real acting job was playing a 60-year-old ex-army colonel, and I was 20 at the time. So age has no bearing on how you play a 900-year-old or 900-plus time lord. I reckon he's over 1,000 now. (laughs) (laughs) And just to add, in the uh, the text, Meeps has put, um, it's making her angry too, that the remarks I'd made about the, the this from fans. One of my friends is saying he's wearing tweed and seems to think he w- won't be any good, presumably <laughs> because of that. Yeah, because he's wearing tweed. <laughs> or the bow tie. <sighs> he's wearing a bow tie. This could be awful. But he's wearing suspenders. Hell <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> yes. I think Darth fell asleep. Yeah, no, well, no, I think no, we ought to wrap up, Ian. Uh, uh, I mean, um, hello, hello. Yep. No, I was just looking through the various opinions there because they're they're all interesting and they're all ones that I don't really share. Um, I think it's perfectly fine and indeed poses no problem for one's enjoyment of a of an actor to to view what they've done before Doctor Who, and I think it it would be a shame to deprive yourself of the the wonder and joy that is Moses Jones. Um, to just to shield yourself from that, just because you you want your first impression of Matt Smith to be that of the Doctor. Um, I, I've seen the last three actors now prior to them becoming the Doctor in other roles, and I, I don't think that it um, ultimately has messed up my appreciation of, of their role as Doctor. Um, I guess I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is it, it, it being so close, I don't want to sit there and then pick him ah. pick it pick it apart. I mean, I, um, I have since seen David Tennant and things and and loved him. Um, I watched uh, Einstein and Eddington, and he was mm. just I still brilliant. Too. And, yeah, and, and and totally not the Doctor, but I mm-hmm. could just imagine myself sitting there knowing he was going to be the Doctor, going, "Oh, I wonder if he's going to have glasses." I don't want my thoughts of, of I don't want my enjoyment of what he, they're doing and whatever I'm watching to be spoiled by thoughts of 
oh, I wonder if he's going to do that in Doctor Who. I wonder if he's going to do that. I'd rather see him in, you know, in the show and then go and watch his other stuff, you know, un, unburdened by the fact that, it's like, you know, now I've seen him as the Doctor, now I can go enjoy the other stuff, which is what well, I've done with Tennant. I don't think I've watched Doctors like that. I don't think I watched anything with David Tennant in it, knowing he was in it until I saw him as the Doctor. Right. Of course, yeah. I watched the Harry Potter movie, but I didn't know he was in it until of I was actually like, oh! Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course, that's a good character actor, isn't he? Where they're actually in films and you don't actually pick their their own identity out because they were so convincing in whatever part they were playing. And um, I think uh, that's where Matt Smith has scored. I mean, uh, I've, I've seen him in Ruby and the Smoke, and, uh, and, and he, he was obviously a rising star at, at that point. So. Uh, I think if uh, uh, you'll excuse me saying so, Ian, I think uh, time to pull the plug. Yep. Hokey dokey. Well, sorry, did you have one more thing? Duff? Just one tiny little thing. I mean, I understand okay. where, you're, where you're coming from with this, but the thing is, it's quite unusual with Matt Smith because he has the longest period by far um, between oh, yeah. the end of the... Um, or, or between when announced and between yeah. when on screen. So it... I mean, there are. He has a major motion picture coming out. Yeah. You know, Womb that's coming out in two thousand, early two thousand ten. It, it's just really hard, I think, with this particular actor um, to to say, "Wow, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to watch him because it's 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 literally almost two years between the end of the last regular season of David Tennant and the beginning of the first regular season of uh, Matt Smith and. I don't know. I just I don't. I, I think that we should respect these people as, as actors and just realize it's okay to watch stuff. Right. You know, I mean, but I, it, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But I just think in this particular case, there's such a long period of time between when you knew he was going to be the Doctor and when he's coming out as the Doctor that it it it's an especial burden to place on yourself to say I'm really not going to watch anything that he's in. Right. Well, I mean, it, 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 in, in in the U.S., it's it, it's kind of easy because there's not a lot of his material on TV here, and mm. since I can't really afford to go to the movies, that it, mm. it's it's not so much that I'm actively avoiding; it's mm-hmm. just that I'm not actively seeking. Yeah, um, I get you. And yeah. and after the fact, then I'll be like, oh, I really want to see, you know, especially if he makes that great of an impression, then I'll be like, now I really want to see him in other stuff. And I'll be completely unburdened by, you know, because if I was to actively seek it now, it would be for all the wrong reasons. I would be oh. looking for it to see, I would, I'd be judging him as an actor worthy of playing, you know, my favorite character on TV rather than, you know, what else has he done? Rather, you know, if you yeah. get what I mean, I'd be looking yeah. at it. To, to that would be my only reason for downloading it right now. Downloading anything or finding something on on DVD is to just see if he's going to be good enough. And I don't think that does him a service that I'd be watching it solely for that reason. I'd rather see him in action and then go. You know, I've really got to see him in some other stuff because he's good, or you know. Right. Is, is this I just the first actor that? Sorry, Dad, is this the first actor we know has been signed up for three years? I mean, because we didn't know how long David Tennant had been signed up for, did we? Where Christopher Eccleston disappeared. I mean, uh, I, I, unless it's not actually true and it, it's just hearsay. Oh, I heard. No, McCoy got signed for three. And you signed up. One. 
Go on, Romana. Oh, no, I was saying, I, I thought, I, I heard somewhere that he was signed up for three years, that's with the possibility to, to extend if he wants to. I think I read that in a, on a... Right, right. Uh, and Darth, he was saying what? McCoy definitely was signed to three. Baker was signed to three, because I, I know that one of the big things about Colin Baker's dismissal that he leaked to the press was the fact that BBC changed their interpretation of what it okay. meant to be three years because they counted the hiatus year as part of the three-year period. Mm. Um, mm. I, I don't know if the first maker, how long he was signed to, but it must have been more than a year. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, well, William Hartnell was signed three years. Pretty sure. Because right. it, it was only when it, John Wiles was trying to get him out of there and he could only get him out of there really uh, could only think seriously about doing that by the time that he hit Celestial Toymaker because that was the end of the three-year period. So I don't think it's that uncommon. I, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, the Troughton was three years too, because there came that period wh- where, um, and it depends on how you define three. Years. I don't know if it's three calendar years, three seasons, but whatever. It there, there was that period of time where. Uh, Who's, who played Jamie? Whoever played Jamie? Ben, um, I forgot. Fraser Hines. Fraser Hines. Or Fraser Hines. Hines had to extend his contract by six months so that it would coincide with the end of Yeah, they decided uh, to leave together. Right, they? right. So it's not that unusual. But what is unusual, and I, I know that what's going to be my first impression of this guy, is that it's just taking so damn long to happen. <laughs> I mean, my God, I just want David Tennant to die. I want him done. I love the guy. He's done great things for Doctor Who. But my God, it is taking forever to get that man off the stage. I'm the same even though I love him. I just want it to happen so I can get over him. I want it it to be at the end of the soul and earth. I just hate the waiting. Well, it's yeah, certainly covered a lot of fans' feelings about whether mm. we should have a Doctor Who film, hasn't it? Because it, it would appear to make no sense at the moment because you, you wouldn't know which Doctor to do unless it was going to be a multi-Doctor film story with, like, three different Doctors in. Um, but that's a whole new episode, and I think, really, we don't really want to open that can of worms now, do we, Ian? No. I think, at this point, we will... Uh as Charlie says, we'll rip the band-aid off and get the heck out of here before everybody screams. Uh, thank you all for coming. It's it's a lot longer show than we had thought. Um, and if you downloaded this and you listened to all this in one go, well done. It's like watching uh, because that's like a stiff <laughs> when 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 Dave and I first conceived doing our own show, we're like, well, we're definitely going to stick to like hour and a half tops. Yeah, no, there's no way we should really do really long shows. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> and, and to those listening to the recording later, we did 40 minutes before we pressed the start button. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, thank you guys all for coming. And uh, join us next week when you'll hear Nurse Piggy say <laughs> our, where our topic will be. Would you like some comedy with your sci-fi? We'll be talking about comedy elements in what are strictly science fiction shows um, and where it's well done and where it's not. Um, some shows which, you know, put them in there and it's really quite forced. And following... In, in, the, in the following week, week. 
we will reverse the polarity of the neutral flow and would and say, would you like some sci-fi in your comedy? Situation comedies with with sci-fi elements: Mork and Mindy, uh, Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf, uh, Soap. Bewitched. Matt. Oh no, that's to the way around. That's Bewitched. Cool. Yes. No, um, so yes, third join rock us. Third rock from the sun. Third rock from the sun. Oh. So we look forward to seeing you all next week, and thanks for stopping by. And goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, Tiggs Pampa. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I've been awake for far too many hours at this point. <laughs> 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 Goodbye, Romana too. Goodbye, boys. <laughs> Goodbye to Darth Skeptical. Adios, people. <laughs> Goodbye to Charlie P79. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye Good to me with us, Charlie. Yeah. Please oh, come back again. You. Yeah. Oh, I hope and, so. Yeah. And goodbye to Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Goodbye. Have <laughs> And goodbye to Dave AC. Bye, Dave. I'm feeling slightly older than I did at the start of the show. (laughs) Press the button before he gets any older. He's going to have wine with me later. (laughs) Okay, then. That's it. The button shall be pressed. Goodbye, button. Don't touch the bad button. (laughs) With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.